Hey guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 20. We have a special guest this time. We have Nomad, who is recording in his car. Uh, <laughs> he uh, wasn't able to get to a microphone, so we you know, utilized the technology available at a laundromat, and he's <laughs> siphoning, <laughs> siphoning off their Wi-Fi to be able to talk to us today. Um, well, yeah, we also got the regulars, of course, me and Azeel and Griffith are here as well. And uh, always want to start the episode off talking about what we've been up to. Uh, I wanted to kick it off with Nomad. Um, you've been off for a bit, been busy with family stuff and work stuff, I'm assuming. Um, have you? Can you talk about anything like music-wise you've been doing? Have you been doing anything music-wise recently? Um, yeah, I've been actually trying to finish stuff for the podcast, actually. <laughs> okay. it's, been a little, it's been a little hard for me because... I've been going off and on in different jobs, left and right, and every schedule is different. I, I just, I literally just came from a second shift to a first shift, from first shift to third shift. Now I'm back on first shift, and I got the twins at home, so I'm with that at the same. And I'm, I'm also going to school, so I've been trying to, you know, finish at least some of the stuff, you know, for the podcast. Um, hopefully, I was, I was hoping that by the twentieth. I was going to get it done, but clearly it's not. So I'm um, hoping that in the next couple, like say two, it's not, not next, not the, not this week and the, uh, the next one, possibly okay. I'm hoping I can at least finish some of the intervals and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, that's uh, pretty much all I've been doing. And I've been too focused on other stuff uh, per, in my personal life right now that um, it's been a sure. little bit difficult, but it will be done. I promise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's no, you know, I'm not giving you any deadlines or anything. You just, you know, so know. take your time. As I've always said, you know, hold, keep on keeping on until it's the quality you're happy with and then submit it. You know, there's no rush. Exactly. So exactly. I don't want to just throw out a mediocre, you know, thing. I just want, I want it to be quite good and, you know, worthy of, podcast and skull night and everything so yeah you know it will happen <laughs> cool it will happen yeah um not a lot going on with me i uh still preparing the house for the baby which is not very exciting i know uh I took a trip yesterday to pennsylvania uh we're trying to get out of the house and take as many trips as we can while we still can you know as a couple before the baby <laughs> lands so while you're still free yeah exactly while we're not chained down to baby land <laughs> It's like a countdown to your life being over. <laughs> yeah. In the back of my head, that's probably what I'm thinking. But, you know, it doesn't really bother me. Um, or think, I don't really think about it like that, honestly. But we went to um, Amish country in Pennsylvania, which is, you know, if you've ever seen The Witness with Harrison Ford, it's pretty much that, but not in a movie form. And there's no Harrison Ford running around. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> did that and got some uh, Amish stuff. And it was cool. It was a day trip. It's only two hours away from where we are in Maryland, so that was a nice day trip. And not a lot else. Uh, I'll talk about more about what I'm doing once we get to uh, video games because I've been playing Dark Souls a lot, and that's pretty much been dominating my thoughts when it's not work mm. or baby-related. So I have nice. a lot to say about that. <laughs> yeah, That's it for me. Not a lot else going on. Kind of slow over here in Maryland. Zeal Griff? Nice. Well... Uh, yeah, I, I'm in vacation right now, and I've been uh, in vacation for a week, still got a week to go, and uh, I actually went to a zoo recently, one of Whoa. the biggest in France, so yeah, I saw pandas and, you know, white tigers, that kind of stuff, that, that was pretty cool, I mean, that's probably the coolest thing I did all week, it's, it's a pretty big zoo, so I had to, you know, take the whole day to tour it, it was pretty nice, 
What was the highlight? Yeah, well, I guess, um, I don't know, there's so many stuff, like reptiles, you know, tigers, you know, as far as, uh, you know, big uh, feline animals go, I think uh, that was pretty cool. I saw a wolverine, uh, you know, eat a bird, like, you oh. know, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, was, he trash talking? <laughs> like, was he trash talking, like, take this, bub? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, the, the thing just, uh, yeah, the bird was just there, and it, it just, you know, took it in his mouth and then, you know, pampered around like so proud of himself. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Best at what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was this, was this Wolverine, uh, did he still have his adamantium skeleton or was it, had it already been ripped out of him at this point? No, uh, it was just, <laughs> uh, yeah, just the animal kind. So. Oh, okay. So it's just the bones. That's kind of boring. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like that. Yeah, it's kind of a sidetrack, yeah. Um. One yeah, one thing is cool about uh, watching lions and tigers. Uh, I went on safari once uh, around Kilimanjaro, and yeah, you, you see videos of lions and stuff. But when you see them in person, it's totally different. Like the way they move, it's like super dramatic. Like they're totally they know they're the fucking boss of the zoo. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool to see them move around in person. It's just lumbering around these giant killing machines, basically. Yeah, they are innerly badass, and yeah. I think you know I saw uh, uh, some tigers uh, a while ago, like ten years ago. It mm -hmm. was, you know, the zoo anyway. Just the, you hear them breathing, you know. Yeah. You can feel the their strength, you know. Like when they roar, it's just, yeah. You can understand why it, it paralyzes uh, antelopes and such. Absolutely, yeah. I can't imagine uh, getting up close to something like that and just fucking rip you apart in one second, one swipe. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, apostle-like sensation, you know, when you're in yeah. the present, you know, sure. <laughs> dangerous animal, basically. Literally. Yeah, pretty much. Another thing Mira ripped off, obviously. <laughs> well, so, speaking uh, of which, uh, I had an interesting animal encounter oh? this week. Yeah, I was uh, taking out a, an outside bag of trash. And I, I didn't have to do this, which was the worst part. I was just doing it on my own accord. And... I'm taking this garbage bag out, and right when I'm about to like get it to uh, get it to where I'm taking it and just you know drop it off, a giant rat like jumps out of the bag onto my arm, and it's so big. At first, I think it's a squirrel, and, and I and it jumps on my arm, runs up it, I fling it onto the ground and scream, I yell out, you know, I exclaim, I'm just like, Jesus Christ. And, and then I look down oh at it, and I think, oh, that squirrel has a disgusting-looking tail. It really looks unhealthy. <laughs> and then I, you know, and this is all in a split second. It, my mind realizes that it's like, it's a rat. It's a rat tail, and it's a giant rat that was just on my arm. And I'm, and so after that, I was just traumatized and walking around holding my arm out. Like, <laughs> so, you know, I'm looking for bite. Just out of Yeah, it just was. Just out of curiosity, if it, were, did you, were you going in circles many chance <laughs> when that happened? No, <laughs> but uh, oh, did you, oh run, my God. did you run inside and like take a take a cold shower, just like sitting no, in the no, I, and back and forth? No, no, but I I did wipe down my arm. I washed my arm, did alcohol, and uh, let's see, and there were and I was bleeding. Oh, it didn't really? like, yeah. Oh, and because uh, it it was interesting because it didn't it didn't hurt at all, and it didn't actually scratch or bite me. What happened was is there were little dots of blood like by my wrist. Where it had grabbed on, yeah. Like that's just where it, like that's just where it got its grip. Cause like it, I, 
my theory is it probably like it didn't want to be on me any more than I wanted it on me. I mean, it just was sort of using me to get out of the trash bag and then get on the ground. Yeah. So, so it was basically it was probably hoping I didn't even notice it, but that wasn't an option. So, uh, so yeah, it, so I had that. So then I'm researching, you know, like the diseases I could get from the rat because a squirrel <laughs> weeks ago. You're so, gonna catch the rabies. <laughs> yeah. So I so, had a tetanus shot already, but uh, I needed to know. Oh. So I go to like the uh, the Arthur Ashe Center at UCLA, yeah. and uh, get a doctor there. And they're like, I was hoping they'd just be like, "Oh, you got a tetanus shot a couple of weeks ago. You're fine. Don't worry about it." But this lady was like, really, I could tell she was like gut wrenchingly concerned about it, like a rat. Oh my god, you know, and like <laughs> she was really on the fence about what to do. Like I'm thinking, like, oh my god, <laughs> like. So how do I know to amputate you? Yeah. How do I know I'm talking to Griffith and not the Rat Lord right now? <laughs> not being like controlled. <laughs> I was thinking it happened on UCLA, so it was like it could have been, you know, like an escaped rat from one of the labs. It could be Batman, like, like kind of like Spider-Man and Batman. You could was, think of. I was about to say, have you have you, you had have any powers. have you had any desire to like go through trash cans or screech in the dark. <laughs> I always go through trash cans. No, cheese, I already love cheese. I'm pretty much already pretty well suited to be a rat man. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so they, they gave me antibiotics. They didn't actually, they were talking about giving, possibly giving me the, uh, the whole rabies, like, prophylactic treatment, like, where you have to take, like, two shots for rabies and a bunch of different vaccines yeah. And it's a pretty horrible process over a two-week period. So I was glad that didn't happen. Yeah. They just gave me but, but, antibiotics. And, and they, the funny thing was is, like, they left me in the waiting room. She's like, let me go check with the CDC and, uh, and one of my colleagues about what to do. And, like, I was already, like, upset that it's like, you know, I wanted them to be a lot more cool about this than they're being. They're way more <laughs> concerned than I like. And I could hear her out in the hallway, like, talking to someone, like, I don't know about this, you know. And he's like, do you have another patient? Go see your other patient and then go back to him and I'll, I'll try to look it up, you know. <laughs> I'm just like, what the hell? This is, this is, this is going to be like E.T. when everything goes wrong and NASA arrives and they went like, oh, yeah, I was thinking here. Like They left me in there for like a half hour after that. And I'm thinking like there's going to be, yeah, the guys in the suits are going to come in and be like, going to quarantine your ass. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to quarantine. But no, and what she brought me, I'm not kidding. It's called the CDC Morta- morbidity and mortality weekly report. Oh, great. I'm well, just like, oh, good. It's <laughs> reass- reassuring. The answer to my problem. This is yeah. where it's listed. So so Wait. we're going to list you on our death list here. What's your name again? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, as, as it turns out, helpful tip for everybody. As long as the rat, like, you know, doesn't bite you, you know, it's like the saliva that yeah. carries babies and all that. So. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say, uh, I mean, if it's just, if you were just pricked, like, a, a teeny bit by its claws, it's, it's no big deal. I mean, yeah, these, yeah. Guys, these guys are incompetent. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, what was funny is on the way out, like the pharmacist, you know, told me how, like, oh, you can't get rabies from rodents, you know, so don't worry about it. You know, I learned that with my son, and I thought, you know, I looked on that CDC, and it's like it is possible, like it is a warning, like so. It's like all every all the information I got was totally conflicting yeah. and bad. <laughs> so just uh, <clears throat> my my wife is a nurse and a midwife, but uh, just from experience, you know, you have to always sort of. Uh, whatever the patient's telling you, regardless of what he's telling you or how sober he seems, you have to always assume worst case scenario when dealing with those kind of things, just in case they miss some certain aspect of how it happened, you know, 
So yeah. whether he's telling you he wasn't bit or not, you have to always investigate that possibility, of course. So yeah, yeah, she they was, normally she was uh, she was good actually. I like actually I ended up liking the doctor. I got this time better than the last one because the one last time was just sort of like, oh, it just scratched you. Well, the CDC doesn't even recommend a shot. So here, I'm go. <laughs> I and just don't like. I felt shortchanged like from the last time when I got this woman who was like actually deeply concerned about my yeah. health. I used to have a um. I used to have a major health condition every summer. And one summer, uh, I had just been out camping. And then uh, maybe a couple days later, all the skin on my hand fell off. Like it started peeling off. Uh, never explained it. I went to a dermatologist, and the dermatologist said, took one look at it and went, huh, that's weird. And that was pretty much <laughs> his final prognosis. After. <laughs> so I just don't t- – I don't honestly – even though my wife is a nurse. I don't trust like healthcare people at all. Like they've never done anything good for me whatsoever, other than of course get me vaccinated and give me shots and stuff. I just don't trust their opinions on most stuff at all. So, well, just my like personal. you said, Walter. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, there's a protocol dictates that, especially on Griffith's case, they they do a thing called the post prophylaxis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, for some reason, I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't do anything because even if it was a claw. Um, like you said, the, the, the protocol dictates that you take it under as a worst case scenario or the, oh, yeah. and I'm, I'm quite shocked that they didn't do anything really. I mean, well, I already had had a tetanus just... shot mm-hmm. and they gave me the antibiotics just because like it was in the garbage. So it's like, you know, it could have given me some kind of infection, like a staph infection. They don't know how dirty it is, but they were saying yeah. like, because it was on campus, like it's not as bad as like a city rat. Like, you know, it's a little bit cleaner. That seems and, kind of presumptuous uh, to me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yes. you know, maybe it came in from the city. You know, we are in the middle of Los Angeles, <laughs> so. Uh, oh, it's a UCLA. It's a U, it's a UCLA rat. It's clean. It's a college rat. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. You know it's, what was it's, funny it's, when I was trying to determine whether to even go or not? I called the twenty-four hour nurses line we have, and it's just some lady, you know, a, a quote-unquote registered nurse who's reading me questions that she has to do off a worksheet. Like, there's no actual real interaction. Did she have? As soon as I called. Hmm? Did she have an Indian accent, or was she American? No, no, no. Okay. She was uh, she was American, but it was funny because, you know, I told her the situation, and then she's like, "Uh, I have to read you these series of questions off a piece of paper. You you just answer yes or no." And you know, she already knew what it was. So then she's asking me stuff like, "Were you bitten around the chest or face area? You know, were you bitten with crushing jaws? You know, by an animal such as a dog or a horse? I'm not kidding. Oh. Yeah, I got bit by a horse." It's like, and I just started laughing, and I'm thinking, like, oh, man, I have to, I have to go to the doctor because this is a bunch of bullshit. And then the last question is, are you afraid of getting – you know, are you in shock? It's like, well, uh, I don't know. Are you afraid of uh, getting rabies from this? And I told her – I did that. by that point, I was frustrated. I was like, well, of course I'm concerned about getting rabies from it, but that's why I'm calling you. Is that reasonable? Yeah. You know, I mean, of course you'd be concerned. It doesn't mean it's going to happen or anything. Like, by the way, it, I also remember I did get bit by a horse before the. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the parking lot and there was this horse and I was just like, "What's up, man?" You know, blood gushing down my arm. But yeah. <laughs> and so then at the end, when I, after I told her that, she's like, "Based on the answers to your question, I recommend that you go to the hospital or go, you know, make an appointment with your doctor because it sounds like the conditions are not going to improve on their own today." And I'm thinking like. It's it's a couple of dots. Like of course yeah. it's gonna improve on its own. Wow. Like you know, just the whole thing was bullshit. Yeah. 
So yeah, that okay, was Azil. I just want to make this clear, Azil. Not all yeah. hospitals are this bad. Okay? All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not all American hospitals are this bad. <laughs> all right. I'll keep it in mind, just in case, you know. But uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, this I, mean, I see. I see this some plan to test them. <laughs> I also encountered a giant rat in Dark Souls, and I killed it. It was no big deal. Yeah. And you got souls from it. No, yeah, I had no holes. <laughs> My Estus flask. Thing would have been if they could have tested the animal, and I was thinking how when I threw it down, I should have, you know, I should have taken my initial sort of instinct to, like, kick it or smash it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was being nice. you at least uh, 5 XP, you know? Dude, if you had killed that rat, you would have had to put it in a plastic bag and bring it. You have to be sitting in the waiting room holding a plastic bag with a dead rat. I mean, imagine how that would go. <laughs> like, I have yeah, this. So I, I would have, as, as mad as I was at the rat for, like, jumping on me, I mean, I would have felt bad, you know. Cry. I mean, especially <laughs> since he, like, tried his hardest, I feel like, not to hurt me. I wouldn't have changed, like, you know, if I had to have a rat jump on me, this was about the best way. You can go about it. It just jumped on me and jumped off. It, you know, it didn't jump on my face. Mm. <laughs> yes. And it yeah. could have. I was holding that bag like up chest high, so it was. So I mean, I'm glad it decided on the arm. I'm just trying to think from the rat's perspective, like it's looking at me. I'm the only thing it can jump on to get out of the bag, and it's yeah. doing the math on like where am I? Where where do I go yeah. <laughs> on this creature? What an adventure! Yeah. <clears throat> Well, um, back on topic, we <clears throat> regarding Berserk, we kind of had a couple different topics right now. You know, as you, uh, your regular listeners know, between episodes, sometimes it's difficult to come up with topics that you know keep things rolling. So this week we settled on talking about kind of lesser or minor villains in the series. Uh, there's a lot of different people, obviously, other than Griffith and the God Hand and the Apostles, that crop up uh, as villains and. Wanted to see uh, what you guys thought about some of the more memorable or your favorite ones are from time to time. Um, I'll kick it off. Me and Nomad were talking earlier, and I think I know who he's going to pick. But so I'll, I'll pick someone different. So my, I guess my second favorite. I, I guess I should say, I, I really, really like. I don't. Even, you guys might even not even think he counts, but I like Zepic. I get a lot of. I get a lot of uh, inter- entertainment off of Zepic because. Everything the guy does is just horrifying and horrible. I mean, like, the way he beats up Jill, the fact that he actually scores a hit on Guts, which is just, like, you know, so embarrassing for everyone involved. (laughs) He's the one (laughs) that shot Guts with a crossbow, and he thinks he's a hero. Uh, He's just one of those characters that that kind of exemplify the, the everyman of the Berserk world, and it's just a sad, sad image of... You know the the common person uh, in the berserk world, and, and it makes you wonder what Mira's opinion of these people is. If this person has utterly no redeeming qualities whatsoever, and that's kind of why I like him when he's on page, because you just know he's going to say something really fucking stupid uh, and, and embarrassing every time he's on the screen. I was actually Plus, thinking of him too when you mentioned this topic. Like you know, like favorite sort of like lower side characters. You yeah, know. this is the guy. Yeah. You love to hate because you know he's just fucking despicable in, in every way. I mean, even it's not even just him. Like even his friends are fucking scumbags. Like attempts to yeah. molest uh, Jill and is like, yeah, this is my buddy. You know, <laughs> have him over. He still for has over to the house. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you know. And yeah, that's that's really all I had to say about Zepic. But uh, uh, Nomad, I think you have more to say um, about uh, your favorite 
minor character. Oh, uh, mine. I'm a little. I'm a little oh biased. God! Oh, what was that? That's not me, guys. Oh. Sounds like Sandpaper Man is trying to scratch you in. We'll see. <laughs> oh. I can hear you fine now. Everything's cool. Go ahead. My uh, my favorite so far, and mine is because I'm a little biased. Should be uh, Boscombe. Um, the initial image that I got from him was from the anime, and and. I never got over him. <clears throat> like I wanted to see more of him, and once I got into the manga, and, and uh, I was still a little disappointed with the, uh, I guess the, uh, the the time that he had and all that. But in the end, I mean, he's still my favorite one. I, he had like, this presence of uh, superiority um, mm-hmm. over some of the other minor, or you know, as as you call it, the um, minor villains. Um, the way the way that he acted, I mean, he almost. Uh, reminded me a lot of uh, like a samurai, if you will. Um, uh, was, that's the, just my take. He was the first. I mean, really, he was the first major formidable opponent, or at least the one, the first formidable opponent that Mura chose to focus on uh, in the Golden Age. Yeah. And that's what made him kind of like more hyped than anything else. Was you know you wanted to see how he would square off with guts, and that encounter is actually really interesting because you know obviously guts took him down with the help of Zod's sword and all, but you know for a moment they were relatively evenly matched. Uh, towards the end, guts thought he had the edge, and then his sword broke. It was just a good fight all in all, and uh, it was cool to see him uh, match up against somebody that could actually go toe to toe with him and not be dispatched immediately after they encountered. You know so. That's why I like Bosco. Yeah. Plus, you know, he is he is a more honorable character. He, he's trying to take a pragmatic approach to the battle, and he, he sees that Griffith has a ruse, and he actually tries to hold the troops back. But of course, Ginnon comes and fucks things up. So, I always felt he kind of got the short end of the stick in, in almost every regard. I mean, I, I kind of had hoped uh, he had survived just to kind of see how he would position himself, the kind of person he would be in the world. You know, after uh, the eclipse and all that, where he might fit in, you know. But I, I know I'm kind of like fan fictionalizing uh, this character who has been dead for, you know, 20 volumes or whatever. But, well, uh, but still, I mean, it's, it's an interesting uh, point of view. And if you think about it, when you, you know, when you get to actually hear or learn from Boston, and I, I don't know about you guys, but it happened to me where, you know, it brought out the inner nerd in me and I said, what would happen if, you know, Guts, you know, never got the sword from Zod. You know, like what, what would have happened? And, and you know, yeah. like like little things like that, that that you know sticks. You know, you 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 always wonder. You know, another question. And one of my personal friends, we were talking about Berserk the other day, and and he was asking me, say, you know, can you imagine, you know, him being an apostle? You know, just, just theoretically speaking, you know, just just you know, it just brings out the nerd in you, and you start, you know, bringing up conversations and. Well, never he, happened, but <laughs> he already he had the, um, apostle form picked out. He's it's a big, big ass rhino, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, beyond the fact, uh, I mean, beyond the question, what if Guts' sword didn't break? There's the you know, like you said, Walter, he got the shorter than the stick uh, on a, in almost every regard, and I think uh, it goes to show, you know, when you take a character like Adam, for example, he's not very brilliant. Like, he's better than the average uh, loser, but he's not a brilliant general. And people always, uh, you know, make Griffiths out to be a, a, you know, magnificent general, a genius and such. But I think this shows that a lot of the time it was very thin, you know. They got by on a very thin basis, like... Because uh, Ganon made them out, uh, you know, made the troops go out to fight uh, the band of the Falcon. 
everything could you know went according to plan. But if it had just been Boscon himself, he would have held down the fort and uh, Dordre would have never fallen, you right. know. And in the same way, if you know Guts and him had fought evenly, uh, and the sword hadn't, hadn't broken, it's not certain Guts would have won at the time. I mean, he 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 kind of wins by you know taking Boscon by surprise. Like he's charging, he knows Guts can't uh, fight back. Then he gets a sword and he counterattack and just you know kills him instantly. So. Even in that way, it was a, a lucky shot, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think they would have been uh, more evenly matched if the battle had been, uh, you know, had went on, uh, you know, without any dramatic reversal. Like mm-hmm. Gus would have probably won in the end, but it would have been that clear cut. Yeah, I mean, you also kind of have to, you know, know that Boscon, of course, he was going to fail. He, he he put himself against Griffith, who's been ordained to pretty much take over everything, you know. Of yeah. course, it's going to eventually fall. Some kind of chink in the armor is going to be found. I don't just mean narratively. I mean, of course, of causality and everything that's planned to take him down. So, of course, Zod intervened. So, yeah, there's no way that Boscon could have won, probably. Similar to trying to shoot an arrow at Griffith or something like that, you know. So, still, it's too bad. I wish he'd made it out. I would like to see uh, the kind of person he would turn out to be. Well, that's also what makes up Berserk's interest, uh, you know, is the fact uh, you get to see characters which are not, you know, expanded upon that much, but they are interesting even so, even though they really have little pitch time or screen time, yeah. if you will, they're still very interesting, and from the little background we have of them, they are yeah, intriguing and uh, uh, yeah, just interesting characters. Yeah. Well, I think the, the reason Boscone probably is such a, like, you know, stands out to people is because, like, how many characters, you know, have had Guts dead to rights? Yeah. You know? Like, Very he few. actually, I mean, he he basically did beat him. I mean, you know, Guts' sword broke, but, I mean, that's that's his fault, you know? Right. So, like, you know, Voscone was better prepared, however you want to put it. But, yeah, so, you know, I think that's why he sort of stands out to people as being, like, special. Not just because mm-hmm. of, you know, the, you know, his character itself, but just because of sort of, you know, he lived up to the hype. In that he actually did yep. beat guts. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, Aziel Griff, what are your favorite lesser characters? Well, um, I, I would have uh, quite a few actually, but uh, I think uh, Rochin's uh, guardians are, you know, they rank high among my mm. uh, my favorites. Uh, yeah, I, I like them a lot uh, because they are varied, uh, because they are, you know. There's, uh, of course, the guardians of the forest, but also the children, you know, the fake elves. And uh, I think it was uh, quite inspired, you know, to do them like that. And, you know, from everything from the scoundrels who were lower bugs to the two knights who were the strongest ones, mm-hmm. uh, that fight is very interesting, uh, you know, well done. And, uh, yeah, just the context of it, I, I found uh, very well executed in general. And uh, I, I just like the concept. We haven't seen too many. I, I mean, at that point in time, anyway, we hadn't seen too many, uh, you know, uh, quasi-apostle or pseudo-apostle, whoever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, it was nice to see Mura expanding on what apostles can do uh, mm-hmm. in that way. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, they are among my favorites. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. It's, it's a cool fight because they are you know, similar to what we were talking about last week with the <clears throat> different techniques and the way a battle goes. When you're talking about a man fighting a supernatural creature, 
Uh, Mira yeah. does a lot of cool things with these guys being insects, you know, praying mantis in a uh, stag yeah. beetle, I'm assuming is what it's supposed to be. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, uh, he employs a lot of different fighting techniques and the way these kind of giant things might actually fight. You know, it's not simply a sword versus a sword or a knight versus a knight. It's a lot of varied attacks, varied creative situations that Guts gets stuck in. One of my favorites yeah. before that fight is when Guts is, uh, I think it's like he has a, his neck is like uh, being uh, stabbed against a tree. Yeah. And then he's, a, a guy is about to come up from above him, and he managed to get uh, out of both circumstances with one move. It's just yep. cool, cool stuff. You can, you can tell we thought through how these guys might attack him and how Guts might get out of the circumstance. So it's a very yeah, dramatic, dramatic fight. So and It's also in that battle that uh, he uses uh, you know, the cannon uh, shot yeah. combined with the Dragon Slayer to kill off both uh, knights at once. So yeah. Yeah, it was very cool. He, and uh, yeah, even though those... he, he pioneered that and it's now become like a signature move. Yep. Yep, exactly. And uh, even after that, when he's fighting, uh, you know, the small elves, when we see them getting out of the cocoons and such, I think it's all, it's all pretty pretty cool to have uh, to have it done like that. Yeah. You know, the whole, whole uh, insect uh, theme with uh, Rochinu, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Well, let's see. I think I'm going to, like, double or triple dip here real quick. But, uh, like, first... Uh, like Zondark, probably more than most. I, mean, I wouldn't say he's a favorite, but he's interesting in that he's like the first, uh, <coughs> first sort of real like idiot that Guts fights, like a big strong guy that's like also right. really obnoxious. And yeah. he gets to be more than like the average idiot because he actually gets turned into a, a pseudo apostle. And yeah. uh, so you know he just he and he keeps coming around. He's very persistent. He's persistently annoying to Guts, and it actually has that scene where you sort of you know. Puck is pontificating on the fact that Guts is, you know, such a good swordsman because he's able to, you know, use his sword to fend off Zondark's, you know, insane attacks. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, he's actually kind of interesting. And he's an interesting apostle just the way he's made. I like the way the Count, you know, has that scene with him where he's holding his head. It's almost like a, you know, religious, like, experience, you know, the way he's, like, holding his head and, you know, almost anointing him. But, you know, instead he's having that horrible little like mini slug version of himself going to Zondark. It's like mouth yeah. raping, mouth raping him basically. Yeah. You know, and yeah. like Zondark's just sort of looking at it like, ah, you know, and then it's like, I guess going in. And, uh, so yeah, that was, that's interesting. I mean, it's sort of, he sets a kind of a couple of important precedents. And, yeah. uh, I've always felt pity for Zondark, particularly in our second or third encounter. He's just like basically not even in control of his own body. Anymore, yeah. He doesn't, you know? yeah. I mean, he's just like that monster by the end, you know, yeah. he's yeah. a husk. He's yeah. a, Shell. Yeah. yeah, and uh, let's see the. Also, one uh, I don't know that if we were like if we sort of think of him this way, but the boss, the pirate boss, he's oh, like yeah. I mean he's almost like a like practically a main character <laughs> like. <you> know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I need to change sort of, the encyclopedia. He's, he's kind of a giant, you know, among these kind of characters now. Like I mean, he was really he lasted a long time. <laughs> like, yeah, he had the personality. Yeah, he had a lot of personality, and yeah, he he really got involved, you know, in the story like longer than most of these guys. And uh, he was interesting. And, uh, and finally, Mozgus is uh, his disciples because they were almost like they were unique because they were almost like a superhero team practically. Mm-hmm. Like they they actually uh, we've got we're going to talk about I guess Metal Gear later. They almost remind me of like 
some, you know, operatives that Snake would have to fight, you know, with their unique powers and abilities that, you know, are clearly laid out, you know, early on, you know, what makes them unique mm-hmm. in that first attack that they have when the, yeah, I guess they're attacked by, uh, you know, heretics and yeah, basically yeah. from their perspective. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so they're very interesting in that way. And it's neat how, you know, that's sort of, you know, it's obvious, you know, Guts is going to have to fight all these guys and, you know, to just see it happen and see and also see how they change once they become uh, quasi-apostles. So, yeah, they're I they're kind of unique that way, just, like, the fact that they are, like, a team, and they do have, like, so many weird and morbid, like, abilities, I guess. Uh, yeah, they're... <clears throat> not only their character design, but also the way they attack Guts. It makes you... That whole fight throughout Volume 19 and 20, it makes you worried about it the whole time. Like, oh, yeah. my God, this guy is fucking gonna pull out his eyes with pliers, you know, at one point. And then... Uh, the feathers come close to Guts' eye. There's so many things that are just like make you cringe throughout that whole fight, and it's yeah, all yeah. because of the way they fight and the way they attack. Uh, the so- the saws, the two guys that have those giant saws, just horrifying. Yeah, the twins or whatever they are, and uh, also, I mean, yeah, it's just neat how they complement each other. The big, tall, skinny guy, and, the, and there's the giant, you know, oaf <laughs> that right. like hits him with the wheel with the baby's yeah. face. Yeah. yeah, with the baby. Yeah, the baby face. Like, oh, he's basically like. Master Blaster, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Of course, the the bird guy, right? Who probably who stands above you know the rest, memorably. It's just uh, again, I I feel bad for these guys. Like he he properly characterized their backgrounds and showing that they were just lost souls basically that were pulled together by Mazgus. Yeah. And it makes you think, you know, obviously Mazgus wasn't exactly totally a cool guy himself, but. You know, they found a place. They found a family uh, through him, and so it's never just a cut and dry black or white thing. Yeah, you know, it's interesting yeah. how they're positioned. They pure evil. So right. yeah, but it also kind of goes both ways. Like you feel sorry for them. Like you know, you're. It's like they found a place because they were outcasts. But at the same time, it's almost like you know, Mosgus is just using them for you know yeah. because they're these yeah. you know powerful <laughs> freaks. You know, so it's like of course it's sort True. of yeah, like flex badly on him as well. Even though it's like they're happy with the place they found. It's still sort of like, you know, they're being exploited. What's interesting is, um, I mean, I guess it's not that interesting, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> I, I feel I feel sorry for them. I, I feel I've never felt any pity at all for Mazgas, particularly when yeah yeah you know, he's, he's fighting guts up uh, in the giant. The crowd is watching the whole scene, and of course, guts is cast in a bad light, and Mazgas is cast in a good light, even though he looks like a monster. I, I never so- go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's also because, uh, I mean, they're not shown in the same light. Mosgus is a moron till the end. He, he's murderous and everything. But they're, I mean, they're just trying to defend him, you know, in one way. And when Gus kills them, they all look, you know, pretty pitiful. Even the, the, the bird guy, as you call him, he ends up just, you know, kneeling down and praying and he yeah. dies like that. Wow. And so I think... Mura did it in such a way that we are made to feel bad for them and to be shown that they were just misguided and you know things could have gone differently for them. But when it comes to Mosgus, he was he was a moron. I mean, from everything he did, he was just cruel. You can tell he's the kind of guy who used uh, whatever power he had to be, you know, a cruel and you know insane person. Right. It's just also creepy. It's all character design, like carved from stone, basically. And yeah. his eyes yeah. like, get excited at pain being 
Ugh. He, yeah. he, I mean, he he looked like an apostle before he was an apostle. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. like he just like it was like, oh my god, you know, you see him. It's like I remember just reading those parts before, you know, like seeing those like images before, you know, I had translations or anything, and like when you just see the guy, it's like that guy's the next apostle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like you just. You just tell from the look of it, it's like, oh wait, he's not. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's actually funny. It's actually it actually leads to some confusion in, in some readers. It's one of the more common questions we get is yeah, or, or is confusion is is when a, a, a Mazgus becomes a quasi apostle. A lot of people, I don't know how, but they missed they missed when the uh, Behirid apostle stabs him with his little tendril and turn yeah. him into a quasi apostle. A lot of people missed out. Oh, so they thought he was pitch. just one anyway. Like. Right, they thought he was one all along, and they missed the fact that he was transformed. I don't know how. Yeah, well, in like, their defense, it's a very little tendril that he uses. So maybe he also like <laughs> vomits, like you know, after he gets stabbed. Uh, and yeah, like, oh, I remember he has like that look on his face. Yeah, like it's pretty comical. Actually, it's played for yeah. laughs. Right, he he right. forms at the mouth, and his eyes are going in different ways. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but at the same time, I, I mean, there's first a good guy who's some kind of leader for the heretics, or at least their mascot. He's oh, the first that's one. A good one for this topic. Yeah, he's the first one who gets turned, and then it's Mosgus and his disciples, since they all get turned at the same time. So I guess Mosgus oh, yeah. just ends up being more powerful because he's crazy or something. Mm-hmm. You know, since the buried yeah. apostle, every time he was granting their wishes, you know, mm-hmm. so that goes for the goat as well as for all of them. He was granting their wishes like a buried would. <laughs> we have to talk about the goat man. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. sure. I'll I'll get into that. I was going to say, <laughs> okay, okay. what kind of crazy crack was Mirror on in volume 19 and 20? <laughs> he just had so many amazing fight scenes back to back in those two volumes. Just like crazy. You have... The Goat Apostle, which actually is a really interesting fight for Guts, the way it moves and so quick. He has to yeah. use different tactics, has to use different equipment to take it down. And then he has the Mosgus, Apostles and Mosgus multiple times across our different forms. Yeah, there's yeah, also Serpico. Yeah, it's all over the place. All yeah. these dramatic fights, you know, all just kind of sandwich in really close, close together. It's just very uh, cool. <laughs> Those are some of my favorite volumes and probably, I don't know, a lot of people's favorites, like before, before the world literally changed in the story, it was sort of of literally like the climax of that, like that era. So yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty great. It kept getting better, even though what was before was already so awesome, it couldn't get any better. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, yeah. the, the goat apostle. Yeah, it's it's the cool fight again. <laughs> I was just talking more about like you know the wish fulfillment and sort of the life he was leading before that as this like oh yeah this yeah this phallic you know with his phallic snake thing which kind of looked like a real snake at first anyway like mm-hmm. I don't know if it would like if it was just a good prosthetic or what was going on there. Well, at the time you know uh, Joachim is uh, he's Jose he's hallucinating. They've drunk all that strange yeah, beverage. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I don't know if he stuck a snakehead on his dick or anything, but yeah, I think uh, the hallucination part uh, plays a role in the fact it looks like a snake. Okay, but it had to be on there because it was actually there when he transformed, so it had to be something yeah. where, yeah, they were putting forward. Which yeah, that was a, I agree. The fact that he had, like, a, a literal anaconda. Like. <laughs> <laughs> While I stroke my anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah. what was that, Dracula 2000? Dracula 2000, Coolio, yeah. Um, Classy movie references on... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so do you think, um, 
perfect transition here. Do you think uh, the way quasi apostles work? Do you think a part of it is wish fulfillment, and part of it, part of it's also the apostle, like you know, making them, uh, forming them into what they need. Do you well, think it's kind of a simultaneous or? No, I think for the that went for the Beherit apostle, but uh, as for the you know generic thing, I think it really depends on each apostle. Mm. Like you know, in the same way that Zod can't. Or at least, as far as we know, transform somebody into uh, you know a quasi apostle or know kind of why I'll do it or anything. But those who can, like the Count or Roshin or you know the Beherit apostles, they each did in uh, different ways. And I think probably the most potent one would have to be the Beherit apostle. Yeah, I feel like the Beherit apostle actually had the ability yeah. to basically almost make them like yeah. apostles. They were they were very strong, but I mean he was a Beherit, so he he was a very yeah. strong apostle to begin with. Not necessarily very strong himself, but his uh, powers as a as far as transforming others or the role he eventually played in uh, Griffith's uh, return. I mean Femto's incarnation as Griffiths. Yeah, it it was uh, he was very powerful in that way. What about yeah. the uh, what about the things Ganeshka spawns? Those are pretty crazy too. Well, yeah, but he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't really uh, an apostle, a normal apostle at, at that point. I mean, you know, uh, there's those things he created with uh, his you know, machine made from mm-hmm. apostles, you know, his contraption. And then when he was reborn the second time, uh, yeah, that was just uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was insane. I, I, you can't consider him an apostle anymore. He was, he was like a mile, you know, mile tall, you know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So... Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, I didn't like these very much, these creatures he spawned. I mean, uh, <coughs> say I, if, I, I if, didn't like them. I, I was just saying on a scale of like quasi-apostles. I, I, I've never known quite how to categorize them, actually. I've always thought of them well, as... Yeah, they are some kind of, yeah, spawn from Ganishka. So right. they're like super quasi-apostles in right. just the same well, way as he's a super apostle, if you want. What's interesting, well, Ganishkas weren't even like... they Like all the other quasi-apostles are based on people. Like you still you need like a host, sure. Yeah. Whereas yeah. his were literally just like creatures like spawning from him, like you know, literally it was almost like parts of him coming off. I thought they were spawned from the the yeah, the, the blood, uh, the bodies, yeah, the blood, so yeah. the, the, the blood and the bodies that were in the city, right? Yeah, you know, he oh, actually okay. he stamped his own army, and from that poodle of uh, yeah. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, but is there not even? Uh, I mean, it's not like just one guy is turned into them. They're just, you know, formed from a conglomeration of blood yeah. and, and guts, yeah. you know. Nice reference to the movie. And all this. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. And what they were interesting in that they were an army of, you know, gross creatures. Yeah. And I think they were pretty strong. I mean, I, I would guess they were about as strong as the slugs, the uh, gods fought, um, you know, the sea gods, uh beard, you know. Yeah. I think they would be a, 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 about as strong as that. But they had varying size and such, so it, it's hard to say for sure. Yeah. Anyway, if I had to name another uh, minor villain, I'm not sure he, he can really be considered a villain, but anyway, at the time he fought against Guts, it would have to be uh, Silat, you know. Silat and the Bakeraka uh, in volume 9, 10, such. I think uh, they were Pretty cool, and uh, it's one of my favorite uh, fights, you know, of guts. Yeah, I was actually wondering about Salat. I just didn't name him because I figured he's like, I mean, like, everyone else we've mentioned sort of, like, came and went, like they were temporary. Right. Whereas he's been, 
I don't know what we have in store for him. I mean, he's going to be around and doing things. But uh, yeah, he yeah, he's, he's been, been uh, almost a third party. You know, not not really. He he was a villain at the time, but uh, he's become his own guy since then. So I think we I think we all sort of expect like you know bigger things from him down the line and have for yeah. a while. Ever since ever since he was introduced, you've always had the feeling that he's, he's yet to play the role that he was meant to yeah. play in, in the story. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and and so it's it feels like we're right on the cusp of him realizing that. And he does, I keep wondering what it will be, and and I imagine it's some kind of resistance. And again, like you said, Azil, I think you hit the nail on the head, like a third party. Like he, he's the one that expressed skepticism both at Ganeshka's regime and Griffith's uh, yeah. you know, regime. So you wonder what kind of role he'll play. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Human resistance, I, maybe. Yeah, I, I, he's, uh, I like his personality, too. I mean, he's very, like you said, he's skeptical and he sort of he has like very high standards. Yeah. yeah. And sort of. A, and he's, you know, he's smart and he's on point, like, you know, just his in his assessment of uh, guts, you know. The, when he sees him and he tells his, you know, even as strong as his uh, his forces are, you know, he tells his capacity, like, no, you know, we're going to, if we, even if we beat him, we're going to take lose heavy something. losses. Yeah, yeah we're going to yeah. lose something. Like, you know, don't take him lightly. It's, yeah. it, it's nice that he's no longer under the thumb of Ganeshku, because ever since that was introduced as the concept, he has literally the guy... Uh, the general put his foot on Silat's head. You know that's yeah. <laughs> no, it's not where I want Silat to be in the story. Well, it's, he's yeah. also it's he's principled too. Is I guess what I wanted to say. Like I mean, he was working for those guys and everything, and following his oath for you know to get their land back. But it's like you can just tell he you know he's got very strong opinions about you know what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also meant to make us feel for him and for his clan, you know, show us that even though they've done things that were questionable, it's because they are, they've been outcasts and uh, they have a pretty poor yeah. conditions and, and they've been living in very harsh conditions, which is also why they are very, I mean, he's so pragmatic and skeptical of uh, miracle solutions like the ones uh, offered by Griffiths or... yeah. And he also expressed his regrets about like some of the actions they've had to take, mm-hmm. but you know, like he said, it's because they had to. Yeah. yeah the Bakiraka themselves, particularly the assassins, aren't dissimilar from the way Mazgus's uh, people are introduced. They all have like, oh, yeah. special traits, and they're yeah. gathered for a particular cause. But you know, yeah, for, for, yeah, kind of... they're actually a real special uh, ops team, if you if you will. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. in the context, so yeah, it's a two spirit interesting. Uh, it's really one of the fights uh, I enjoy most uh, in the Golden Age arc because uh, you know every main member of the band of the Falcon gets to you know show a little of his skill, and yeah, I think it was really a pretty neat, uh, pretty neat battle. Even the, the sport... king of Midland gets <clears throat> to kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one of those fights that I've always felt would be really cool animated, particularly when uh, Judo's throwing the knives to spark light on yeah. the thing. That it, it worked in the comic, but I thought it would work a lot better in motion to see that actually happen in real time, sort of. But uh, I, I don't think that's going to be in movie three. Uh, I haven't seen any footage of it at all, and I sincerely doubt that kind of escape sequence will be in the movie. Well, they want to faithfully cover the old anime, which is, I guess, adapting <laughs> into a movie. <laughs> do we want to? Do you want to launch? Do old scenes that have already been animated. <laughs> do you want to launch straight into that? Because we're already there. All right, let's let's do it. So the um, the, tra- the trailer for movie three finally came out, um, 
And I, I mean, I have to say, we, we watched it all before the show started. I think it's probably the best of the three trailers. Uh, the, the, the most thematic, I guess you could say. It sticks to one theme. It pretty much only shows clips from right before the eclipse and the eclipse itself, which, of course, is going to be the big ending uh, image for the, 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 the trilogy, I imagine. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. But yeah, the, most, the best put-together trailer... Uh, and in a middling series, so congratulations. Um, <laughs> yeah, what you guys? Think? I actually liked it. I yeah. I actually kind of like when I watched it. It like you know got me a little psyched up. Like oh wow, you know, because I mean just because you know it's hard not to from the content. I mean you got Griffith dressed in his uh, what would end up being his ceremonial garb. You've got a. Uh, You've got Zod and Skull Knight, you know, mm-hmm. confronting each other there, obviously. Just just seeing those two, yeah. sort of, you know, like yeah. the hint of them being on screen together. Mm-hmm. Pretty exciting. Yeah, if we're lucky, if we're lucky, we'll probably have like two minutes of footage of Skull Knight. <laughs> yeah. the I wonder how they'll I wonder how they'll portray that fight, actually, because I, yeah. yeah. It looks like it looks to me like they're gonna only tease it, which is, you know, kinda what happens in the manga. Yeah. Tease the fight. They don't actually show them really engaging full on, so Well, you know, I actually wonder if they'll go the other way with it, where it's like they're gonna like maybe exploit it a little and like let's uh yeah. you know, like 'cause they've had those scenes where it's like, you know, Guts is confronted by Dan and Earl and like it turns <laughs> into like this five minute thing where they're like surrounding him and like he's looking around and it's like i wonder if they're gonna like do a little navel gazing with uh like skull knight and zod because you know that's a pretty big attraction i can see them doing that but i don't know i don't know i, I kind of yeah. it seems like the kind of thing where they're like oh we can leave that in the cutting room floor who really cares you know <laughs> I've, yeah i'm just hoping it'll be the opposite of the zod fight that was you know five minutes of zod whereas this time it's like somehow inexplicably even though this should be like a couple of minutes it'll be like i don't know it'll be like seven or ten minutes like look on the bright side though look look on the bright side we did have that five minute fight between guts and the guards after he killed adonis though right i mean we'll always have that you know to look back yeah on. yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah um of course, the big question with this trailer is because it shows a, a very limited amount of footage, it, it shows the clips only. And so, we, you know, the question has always been, where is this going to end? Where, where is it going to send us off to? And, and will it tie? Will it have direct hooks into the next arc of the project if there is in even, you know, a next arc of the project? So I wonder how it's going to end. I wonder how much into volume 14 they're going to go, which is the true end of the Golden Age. Does it end with 13? Ends with 14? Yes. I wonder how they're going to actually end it. So. Well, I I have a trouble imagining them uh, showing uh, what happened after the eclipse. You know, I mean, they would have to introduce the demon child. It says many things, and, and it's it's not that short. You know, so I, I they have added uh, 20 minutes to the movie. It might be to cover that. Maybe they just realized, oh well, we forgot about that. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I I wouldn't put it past them. But uh, anyway, even even that, you know, I, I don't think they'll show it uh, properly. I don't know. Yeah. I have a feeling. I have a feeling it it's, it will it won't be done. I would yeah. be shocked if they did that because. I mean, as like the the real ending of the Golden Age is like, as far as a movie goes, it's kind of, it's a pretty bad ending for a movie, because really? I mean, I don't know. yeah, I think it is because it's like you have this like you have this climax with the eclipse. I mean, it really works better as like the opening to something else. I feel like because it's like you know, there's this whole falling action, and then they reintroduce guts in his situation. I mean, if you're gonna do it right, mm-hmm. you know, you reintroduce you know to his situation, and it's different, and you know, like 
as said, the demon child, and then there's a lot of exposition with mm-hmm. Skull Knight, and it's like, you know, it's basically like, it's really the beginning of something, you know, it's literally the beginning of going into the Black Swordsman, mm-hmm. like, arc, as well as the end of, you know, what came before it. I mean, it works great in the manga, but I think as the end of a movie, it would just be like, it would just be a weird, like, yeah, half hour yeah, it, after, too, you know, the, yeah, yeah, it'd be too long, uh, yeah, pretty much. It, it reminds me actually of uh, what they did with, uh, you know, in the Lord of the Rings at the end, after the ring is thrown into the volcano and such, they have to go oh, back to the, to the Shire. And then there's all this little plot that was always a bit weird. And uh, yeah, I think it would be a bit like that. So I totally agree with Griffiths. I think for cinematic, uh, you know, experience, the best would be to end up like they are being rescued. The Skull Knight uh, takes them uh, with, along with Rickert to, um, uh, you know, Godot's uh, place. Mm-hmm. And maybe, yeah, and it ends, you know, around that time. And after that, the next, you know, movie or wavy or whatever picks up with uh, Guts uh, and Cascas there. There's, there's a plot with the child and we see Guts go and it cuts back to, uh, you know, the Lost Children chapter. I, I think... Uh, yeah, otherwise it would be too long. I, I don't think, honestly, I don't think they can make it work. Maybe in another context it could, but uh, like if it wasn't a movie, but it was subdivised like uh, OVAs and such, but I, I don't think it can work uh, in that context. Or I, at least I don't think they can make it work. And yeah, <laughs> plus, I mean, I don't think they're going to miss the opportunity to like, you know, for all practical reasons to like cut that and be like, nope, we don't have time, you know, because they have so much other stuff to do and, and that they're going to cut yeah. anyway. So. Yep. That, they really I mean, that was one of my favorite that that was actually one of my favorite parts and still is about the anime the old anime was how they portrayed you know the the final minutes of the uh of the actual series when uh when his uh when gus loses his eye and then you see him staring at femto and and casca and then all of a sudden you see the screen turning red you know and basically he he passes out and that's it you know that 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 was it well Fade that out, wasn't it you know, the whole time you're talking i'm just thinking you know because it ends on him like basically screaming like that. <laughs> yeah, I I liked yeah. I I also liked the ending to the anime, but that's coming from someone who had already read the manga beyond that point. That at that point, by the time I saw the anime, I was kind of going back and seeing how they did it, and I liked it. But I can imagine, you know, if some of that resolution is withheld from you, of course that's painful. You know, I kind of understand that, but. Uh, thematically, yeah. I thought it was cool, a cool ending. But um, so yeah, the way they did it actually worked really well. Ending on that note, and then showing the little uh, the epilogue with him and uh, Godot, Godot there, like when he's leaving yeah. the shack. That actually, like you know, that was for a thirty-second substitute to Volume Fourteen. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was effective in conveying, you know, like <laughs> tying it back to the first episode. And but yeah, you know, I go ahead. Okay, go ahead. No, you. Okay, I'll go ahead. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, like, what I said earlier, it's like, it's almost not even a joke, like, where, you know, like, it's like they're adapting the old anime rather than the manga again, because it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if it ended, you know, the same way, like, it would, (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if it ended there, or, like, just a little bit different, just for the sake of being a little bit different, but basically, just wrap it up in the same thing, obviously, at least, yeah, at least they have the Skull Knight. I mean, that's one thing I'm really looking forward to seeing animated is the Skull Knight breaking into the eclipse. I hope that they just hope you like that credits, you know. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. I hope I hope they'll do it justice. Otherwise, uh, I'll be pretty uh, disappointed, I guess. 
<laughs> By the way, if you've never even read Berserk, it's like if you were a, an observant viewer, you could really put it together like, oh, that guy's going to break through there and save them, and I know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they spoiled it in yeah. the first movie. Well, they, I mean, the, speaking of which, no, I was going to say, like, speaking of which, am I the only one that feels that this trailer is giving a little too much for those that don't know anything about Berserk, especially um, Griffith's condition? Uh, as far as uh, pre, I don't know. I mean, you, you knew you knew he was captured. You knew he was tortured and, and whipped by movie two. You knew his condition probably would degrade while the Hawks or the Falcons are out. You know, uh, and they have to devise a rescue plan. I, I don't think it's too spoilerish to show that Griffith's conditions worsened over time. But uh, I mean, here's the thing. Like to me, it would have been a huge spoiler with the way they're portraying the series in this trilogy if they'd shown any images of Femto. They they have not though. You know, you don't know. Yeah. It's a new viewer how he ends up as a character. You know, so I, I think that's the real spoiler. Although, of course, in the structure of the series and the way the manga is presented, that's no spoiler at all. You know, it's different. You want to know what spoiled it for me? Okay. No, no wild. There's yeah, no, uh, indication well, of that. Not nothing in the trailer that he'd be. I mean, he doesn't spoil anything if you see him. They'd probably definitely show him if he was going to be there. But the way the trailer is composed, they pretty much only show the eclipse scenes. No, no, no. That's not saying. I've I've already changed my argument. I don't think they're going to have Weld in there at all. Period. No way. Yeah. But, but I. But what I mean is, <laughs> in the trailer, they don't show any other sequences anyway. It's just the eclipse, you know. So it's so there. There still could be, you know, other scenes. I'm sure there will be other scenes. So. I don't know. I'm. Just, I feel like I think they don't show anything else because they don't got anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so, so movie three starts with the eclipse with with Griffith holding the behirat. Yeah, that's how it's going to be. And, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like that would be. You know, if you're showing Skull Knight and Zod and all that kind of stuff, you probably have like, you know, you you. I mean, he, if he's going to be in the movie, he'd have to be a pretty large part. I mean, I don't think they do a cameo for him. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that would almost like add insult to injury. I, I don't think they can do it, honestly. I, I used yeah. to have faith based on their, you know, statement that faithfully re- re- recreating the series. Uh, I don't think... Yeah, the, an- the anime series. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but, I mean, you know, if you've looked at the promotional artwork that's come out for movie three, they, they have shown that little scene with Guts and Skull Knight in the forest a couple times. So that's going to be in there. I imagine that's how the movie's going to start with that sequence, but maybe not. We'll see. Uh, I, I'm still not very excited to see the movie, but I mean, yeah. I'll see it I mean, like if you notice discussion in the, the forum, no one's really asking, like no one's begging to know the DVD for movie two's release date. I don't think so. I think even <laughs> popular opinion of that is already swayed pretty heavily with a couple different people saying looks good to me. Yeah. Well, there's yeah, some there's people a- to which, uh, everything will always look good, you know? Sure. And that's fine. They can, that's my I'm not gonna put go ahead, go ahead. join. Uh, and also, in, in addition to movie three's trailer coming out, we recently got the dub for uh, the movie one for Vince's release of movie one domestically. Uh, before we started the show, we had kind of like a viewing party for that, and I'll be posting that right here. Guys, I wrote Kentarum, you are properly. Yeah, that's good. Wow. Hey, hey, you're in a good 
That's a step. That sounds like the <laughs> the old dub. Pro probably is. I am the leader here, Grit, and you are. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. He's almost got the bat voice. Yeah. Oh God. Would you care to join me? I will have. Why is that too bad? I shall decide where you will ultimately die. Oh, okay. I take that back. He sounds just like the old guy, kinda. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same guy, dude. So yeah, it's the same guy. You haven't changed a single bit in these last three Oh my god, Casca, no. <laughs> she sounds like a bitchy valley girl. Wow, they, they killed this. Well, there was barely no life on this episode anyways, or this volume, so it's okay. <laughs> they can go ahead and have it. <laughs> oh, man. Sod's voice. Wow. When you fight, and how you fight is all for me. Because you're mine. You know, dare I say that this... This trailer is actually better than the actual movie. <laughs> it is. It actually, like, I watched that, and I didn't think the voices were, <laughs> like, I don't know. I was expecting worse. I mean, I guess that just speaks more to my expectations than the yeah. quality of it. You know, but, I, know, uh, I, yeah. I think they got better since last time, honestly. Yeah, it feels like they took it more, like, seriously. Yeah, well, at the same time, this is a movie, like, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah. uh, higher up. So, you know, they did, like, more than just the take that didn't end up on, like, oh, the hilarious outtakes reels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every time Griffith opened his mouth, I was, I was pretty much grossed out. He's just, like, so over overplaying the character on every line, like, really? I am Griffith, <laughs> you belong to me. Yeah, Ugh. well... I feel uh, that uh, Gus also, I mean, he strains his voice trying to sound uh, madly, you know, so he's like, No, I have changed! I'm not the same anymore! Uh, yeah. The thing that grossed me out was, uh, was Zod, actually. Oh, yeah, that was, Zod's the worst. Yeah, it's, he someone, was really bad. Someone in I a thread. Handle, like, I'm Gus, man, and, and Griffith, you know, but yeah, Zod just sounded bad. Someone said in the, someone said in the three sound like a transformer is like Optimus Prime like talking or something. Like, he sounds like a big gross dude, which is not not what I'm looking for. You know, and that's sad because I remember the original or the '90s series that I remember that I favored the dubbed Zod voice versus the one that they had in the Japanese version, and somehow they reversed it on this. You know, this time is the dub version. The voice sucks and. The original Japanese version is actually quite decent, so <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Well, what was weird about the yeah the Japanese one? He sounds like I don't know. They they made an interesting artistic choice, I guess, with that is the way to put it. Like where he's like sounds a little slimier. Like I don't know. He's, he reminds me like of a snake or something. He's always like you know, just the way he laughs and everything, and even the way he growls is sort of like that. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't sound yeah. like a, he doesn't sound like a lion or a bear or a minotaur or any of the things that would 
you know, conjure a feeling. Of yeah, not. you know, that, that's actually a good point. If they were smart, they would have uh, that uh, lion aspect to it because mm -hmm. it's even yeah. been, you know, yep. I mean, Mura has referenced it directly in the manga. So yeah. even even the fact uh, that the roar is, is that like, you know, that of a lion. So I guess, uh, yeah, I guess nobody gave a shit about that. Well, <laughs> yep. The problem I have with the dub, a lot of it is not just the the way their their performances. It's like it's like how they emphasize certain lines or just like way off script. Like Zod yeah. in the dub is like acting like he's really like nervous or anxious when he's fighting guts, which is just weird. Because he's basically toying with them almost the entire fight up until the very end when he takes it seriously. But in the in the dub, he's like, "What are you doing? What's going on?" Like he's on like a fucking crack or something. I don't understand why they chose that direction. Well, but. yeah, it's probably not very well directed. I guess uh, they don't really know about the series or what's actually going on. The actors right. just come in. They've done this ten years before. They forgot about it. Sure. The guys give them the script and they just roll with it. You know. So yeah. 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 It's probably the case with a lot of you know dubbing like that for anime. I mean, I, I don't know at all how it's done in the USA, but uh, I'm pretty sure this kind of shit is you know not uncommon. Well, it's not just that. I mean, it's the problem of dubbing anything in any medium. Um, actually, in video games in particular, the people that do Uncharted have been praised for their voice acting because they actually you know they have actors that they act in the same studio and they have really really on hands direction from the scriptwriter. Uh, while they're recording, and so they they nail yep. it like almost every time. Yeah, that's nice. A lot of these other studios are just like, yeah, here's a script. Just go in your booth, you know, hundreds of miles away from the studio, and send us your output, and then we'll integrate it into the video or something like that. You can you do know? it by yeah. telephone. <laughs> we got the yeah. idea. You can literally you, you can literally <laughs> phone in your performance. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's funny. I've played a game recently when uh, this was an issue, but I can't remember what game it was actually. Was it the uh, one, uh, the tower of whatever it's called, where your chick's constantly sick and you got to feed her souls or whatever? No, no. Actually, you feed a you feed a heart, demon hearts. Heart. There we go. That are, that are gross. Anyway, but no, no. That one was a bit special as far as voice acting went because it was done by British uh, actors and it, oh. it was a, a low budget thing, but it wasn't too bad. I mean, the, the main character is terrible. The voice actor is absolutely terrible. But uh, the girl, which is the one that speaks like you know, ninety nine percent of the time, she's yeah. she's pretty decent, so it was alright. But it's another game. What's but the name of it? Do you remember? Uh, no, actually, I don't remember. That's a thing. Okay, don't worry about it. Fuck, what game was that? Uh, we'll figure it out later. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, in the sequence of things, I just plan to get you guys like you know. Oh, I remember now. Okay. It's uh, in, um, you know, fucking. L.A. Noir, you know that game from Rockstar oh. and Tim Bundy? Yeah, because the, the, the actors, uh, you have three choices when you interrogate people. And um, oftentimes, the character, when you choose like to pursue a, type, a line of questioning, yeah. uh, he's being more aggressive than he should be. And sure. that, that's because they recorded the lines, you know, you know before, uh, I mean, pretty early on in the project. And after that, they changed how it was uh, done. So in the end, the voice acting ends up not being very, you know, faithful to what's going on at times. Right. I remember seeing a couple of hilarious scenes where uh, the main guy, Cole, is that his name? Yeah. He's like pushing the guy really hard. Like he's like making it really personal and yelling at him. And then you ask another question. He's like, so what do you want to talk about? And he yeah. like completely changes his tone you know, for the yeah, next yeah. question. 
Yeah, like and that's reset. Yeah, and, and the thing is, uh, I mean, the, the guys really good. The voice actors they, they got are all you know very good guys, and you know they have some. Uh, I think there's even um, one of the actors from uh, Fringe in there. So yeah, um, I don't know. We talked about that a little bit earlier, but I'm just not that excited about a dub. I mean, I'm not. Even, I'm never going to use the dub. Hell, I'm not even going to ever own the DVD probably. So I mean, why it's worth talking about really? Just an extra audio track, as far as I'm concerned. I, I guess for some people, it's cool that they brought back the quote unquote the original cast for the. That's that's really uncool to me, like frankly. <laughs> yeah. Like, how about the opportunity to you know <laughs> try some new blood? They, they, I guess they have the impression, and maybe it's not a wrong impression, that the people that enjoy the dub, or sorry, the people that know Berserk through the anime, probably have an affinity with that cast. I mean, that's it, a good point. It was probably the right decision to make business-wise, uh, but I, I also would like would have liked to see a different cast. But quite honestly, I don't know that any dub I would be pleased with. Just the nature, yeah. a reinterpretation of what. The actors are supposed to be saying and all that kind of stuff. I mean, so that's just well, if it, if it was well directed and the actors were good, I think it would be you know it would be good. I mean, I think there could be a really great uh, English dub for for Berserk. And uh, yeah, I mean, this movie sucks anyway, so it doesn't really <laughs> matter. So, but I mean, if the had the movie been good, then I would have been uh, bothered. I mean, not really bothered, but at least a bit bothered that uh, the cast sucked. But as it, as it I, as it goes, I don't really care. But uh, I guess yeah. it is unfair of me to say, like, you know, oh, I wish I'd gotten some new blood because it's like, you know, I wasn't gonna watch the dub anyway, <laughs> or even you know, like, once the I'm gonna watch this again. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's it is just piling on then. <laughs> but it could have been good. I still think yeah. it could have been. I mean. Yeah, you see uh, stuff like what's done by you know the big animation studios uh, in America. They do some pretty good stuff. Or like you mentioned, Walter, the guys from Uncharted and such. You know, they've got some you know competent uh, voice actors. So I think I think something good could be done. And even though these guys, I mean, in that trailer it wasn't as terrible as uh, what I thought it would be. Uh, I mean, they are still not not very good. I mean, at least they're not well directed, and I don't think the actors are very good themselves. Yep. Uh, re- reaction's been pretty mixed on the forum. Some people say they like it, but I imagine it's a lot of nostalgia of it being the original cast. But yeah. People are very uh, thought it was pretty gross. So I mean, it's kind of mixed. But other- yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I don't think it's uh, nearly as gross as the original uh, uh, series. But uh, yeah, I mean, people. Ought to be more objective. You know, back in the day, we had a lot of people who were not, what to say, they were a bit biased about this kind of stuff, and uh, the same people still are. But yeah, as the series reaches more and more uh, a larger audience, uh, it's bound to to be seen by people who are more objective in mm-hmm. what they think. So yeah, I'm not surprised that uh, people would think it sucks in just the same way that. If these movies had been released uh, ten years ago, maybe a lot more people would have loved them, regardless of the content. Uh, yeah, just because you know, back in the day, people were less, uh, what's that, exigent. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Exigent. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny that since the movies released, I, I kind of figured this would happen, but you know. Among all the different sites that I visit, independent of Berserk, Berserk's pretty popular. You'll see it come up in comments 
people's avatars on unrelated un- non-manga sites will have like guts or skull knight or griffith av- avatars it's it's a i think it's a pretty well regarded series i mean it, it, i think it's more popular than maybe we even know domestically uh and that's that's cool to see uh, but although People that mention the manga generally, if you just kind of peruse shitty forums, a lot of people think it's really gone downhill recently, though. And I, I think it always comes down to, and we've had this argument before, uh, the release schedule. I think people just get frustrated at the schedule and they don't put. Oh, no, in- people are also stupid. I mean, don't just excuse them because of the schedule or anything. People are retards. These people are stupid. They're morons. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I think that's what it comes down to, you know, first and foremost. Yeah, sure, the schedule, sure, everything. You know, we've been hearing the same bullshit for 10 years. So, you know, uh, you know, there could be an episode each week. People would still complain. And, you know, there are a lot of people complain about other series in oh, much the same way. In much they, the same way. Uh, I'm sure right they, now like there's... The, the direction it's gone, I guess. I mean, it, it, there has been like... a slight you know a change in tone and the sort of the things being depicted and just obviously guts life has changed very much yeah and you know it's sort of that like we we've discussed this that like many times yeah, yeah. That, you know they want to hang on to like the black swordsman you know like the old way where you know it was like guts alone fighting apostles and it's like you know that doesn't that wouldn't go anywhere you know i mean yeah, but he just—he'd go into a castle and kill Griffith, and that'd be the end of the series. It wouldn't be that—it wouldn't be very <laughs> engaging, you know, just going down that path. Even, even yeah. then, uh, people were complaining. Even when it was just guts and perks, they complained about Puck, and they complained about Jill, and then they complained it was not the Golden Age arc. And when it was the Golden Age arc, I'm sure some people in Japan complained it wasn't the Black Swordsman arc. You know, <laughs> I think it's the nature of people to complain, and also I think, yeah. While the series Stone has moved on uh, in a bit uh, of a different direction, I think most of people's grudge comes from the fact they, in the first place, didn't appreciate Berserk for the right reasons. And by that I mean they had this idea of what it was about and what was going on, but it was mostly based on uh, themselves uh, purposely or maybe unconsciously ignoring uh, many elements of the story that, uh, what to say, hinted at more death that he had, you know. I liked As, it because it was hardcore, man, and now yeah, <laughs> yes, you know, seriously, that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah, when they read the Lost Children chapter, they remembered the, the guts, the blood and guts, you know, like <laughs> when guts he's slashing the cocoons. He totally ate a, that. He ate that a, baby. Yeah, he's on fire <laughs> and. It's doused by, you know, blood from a baby and he's then he's choosing his intestines. And you know, I'm serious, that's what people liked about it. That's oh, what they uh, that's what they think, oh yeah, that was hardcore. And nowadays, yeah, man, what's this bullshit? Oh, what's it? Traveling yeah. with children? What? Yeah, with children, man. Yeah. He used yeah, to eat I mean... children. So yeah, <laughs> that's why I say these people are morons. You know, I don't even take it personally, but yeah, it's just they didn't like it for the right reasons. They need something, you know, there's got this culture that's called uh, gore, gore porn or whatever. Well, people, I think they call it guru because it's like, you know, Japanese pronunciation. So, uh, yeah, so people just like, you know, gore. Like, there's, you know, these mangas that are specialized where it just shows girls being, uh, you know, eviscerated and such. And it's, uh, it's, it's some kind of niche of uh, porn culture. 
And so these guys are into that kind of stuff, and that's about it. And I don't I'm think learning, uh, I'm learning more on this podcast than I ever wanted to. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I have a yeah. I know about a lot of things that I probably shouldn't know about. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. And uh, I think these people are into that kind of shit in much the same way that uh, yeah, they read bears, they're listening to uh, you know hard metal or whatever. Sure. So, but um, I mean, when I when I brought this up earlier, what I meant to say really, my my point was more. I was surprised at how well regarded the series is by more people than I, I, I would imagine and, and how many people knew about it. There was a article – I mean I, I stressed the word article uh, posted on Kotaku uh, last week just saying like uh, the dub trailer is out. I think, I think is what it was. I had never seen Berserk mentioned on any site that I, I frequent and so it was a, a kind of exciting to see Berserk as a headline. And then you see the yep. commenters and people are gener- generally positive about it. I'm like, oh, I didn't know – this was this popular on a relatively popular site, so it was just kind of exciting to see that. But of um, course, you know, in any site, there's detractors as well. So yeah, and I and I think uh, in general, Berserk is uh, is pretty popular, but you know, it's not like it's not mainstream, you know, because it's yeah. uh, aimed at uh, you know adult audience. So, but yeah, I think for what it's worth, it's a pretty popular series, and I think it's appreciated by most people who know about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and as it should be. I mean, it's no, it's no surprise to me because uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, great piece of art. So yeah, I mean, I, I guess surprise is the wrong word. I, it's it's nice to see it appreciated on a larger level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's, it's like when you so. have like your favorite, you know, like niche band, you know, and then they, right. they take off a little bit, and you're like, oh wow, you other people know about these guys, you know? It's sort of like that, you know. We've been so close to Berserk so long, and it's been like our little niche thing. Yeah. But then you know you you kind of take a you take a step back and it's like wow a lot of people know about this now it's not just like us. But it, I didn't oh, actually yeah. have I didn't actually have that reaction of that like like oh well I've known about it since I was well not in a bad way just in a you know like oh wow you know this is like these guys have you know you sort of feel proud you know sure so, exactly I was actually proud for the series that it kind of is raised to a level where more people can experience it. Yeah, that and being I said, guess uh, the movie sucks still so. Yeah, well, I was about to say at least that's one of the that's at least one of the good uh, I mean good parts of the movie is that uh, you know as as we've known of course since the beginning it's uh, it's still is a good tool to introduce Berserk to more people. It it creates noise about Berserk in the media. So I guess in that in that regard it's a, it's a good thing. Even though in my opinion the movies don't reflect uh, so well on Berserk itself. So it's like it's a Bad yeah, quality not... drug to get them addicted, you know, and then we'll give them the good stuff later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it's uh, yeah, the cocaine's been cut a little too much with uh, you know, bad shit. Well, how about this? Instead of instead of dedicating millions and millions of dollars and dozens of animators, well, at least five animators anyway, to the this the trailer, why not just make a series of high quality commercials for the manga, like depicting really really popular awesome events in the manga. That would be really great too. <laughs> and it's essentially what this is doing is conveying that, you know? Yeah. I, again, it comes back to I don't see the function of dedicating this much time and effort and, and it's a high stakes gamble to put this on the big screen. I just think it was not I, I've never seen the function of this beyond increasing awareness of the series. And I think there are other ways to do that. So Well, you know, I think the function of it, the primary function what is of course to make money and uh, you know, they originally wanted to make a quality work of art that was different from the manga. And I think they think they've done that, or anyway, they've attempted it. But uh, yeah, that's obviously what they went going for. So, right. 
But yeah, it's not really been a success, uh, at least uh, critically, as far as we're concerned. Okay. Anyway, you know, one thing I think could, you know, come out of this that would be good is if Dark Horse feels like now that they've caught up with the Japanese edition, they could release a deluxe edition, you know, with a better translation and better printing, everything, uh, you know, raised up a bit. I think that would be pretty good, specifically a better translation. It would make sense to them to do that because you have to imagine uh, Dwayne and his crew. I wonder what they're doing on the off time now, you know, because obviously uh, you they know, have less to do. So I imagine they'd want to keep him employed somehow. So wouldn't they go well, back and. I'm sure uh, these guys, uh, I mean, Dwayne, uh, uh, he's supposed to be walking alone, even though he has some cronies or anything. But anyway, I'm sure he's translating all the series. You know, just translating one series is not enough for a man to live. That's At true, least, you're right. Yeah, yeah. He's probably paid, I don't know, maybe 600 bucks uh, per volume. You know, if that, I mean, if he's good and he's well known, it might be 900 bucks or something like that. I don't know. I'm just, you know, putting numbers out of yeah. my ass. But I, I think it must be around that. So, so I don't think uh, in order to live well, he has to translate at least three or four series a, a month. I think so, three or four volumes. So yeah, he would have to really. That's really too bad, honestly. I mean, that's a lot of work. I think that kind of thing yeah. should be quite a bit more money. You know, it's it's also why translations in general suck. It's because translators are paid, you know, shit. It's really a job that's underappreciated and mostly filled by, you know, underqualified people, if not mm -hmm. completely unqualified sometimes. And I'm just talking about manga. I'm talking about any kind of translation from industrial stuff to literary, uh, you know, translations. It's really... Uh, and it's a difficult job that not everybody can do. I mean, it's not enough to just have degrees or to be bilingual in order to do it. You have to uh, to have the you know the feeling for it. So, anyway, yeah. So that's also why the translation are not as good as they could be most of the times, especially in Berserk's case because it's a pretty complicated work to to translate. It's yeah. because they also don't have the time, or at least they don't invest enough time into it. You know, even aside from uh, each translator's uh, own skill, you know. Right. Well, I think it's probably not highly regarded because it's essentially a middleman in terms of getting the content to the people. Like the people, the, the marketable aspects of a series are the art and the story, where a translation is, is, is kind of a middle piece to making that conveyed effectively. So it's difficult yeah. to market that to anybody, you know. You can just get some crappy translation and it still effectively conveys the art and the story, you know, as far as yeah. a business person's concerned, so... Well, I, I don't know who it's done in the USA, but I know in France, uh, for some series like uh, what you guys call uh, Blade of the Immortal, which mm -hmm. is a terrible translation, you know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, for that series, we've got, uh, we had a re-edition because quite a lot of uh, manga were published in France uh, back in the day, you know, in uh, crappy ways. And so that one's been re-edited with a new translation, a uh, new work of art, and, and I mean, new printing and a new way to put the artwork, to display the artwork. And it, it was pretty nice. I bought uh, quite a few of the, of the volumes. Mm. So, uh, I mean, I know it's been done here. I don't know who it's done in the US. I don't know if maybe it doesn't matter to them, but uh, I think it'd be cool. At least I, I don't hope... Know. I I don't it. think we're going to get like a, a library edition from Dark Horse on Berserk. I'd love it. It would be nice. But I, I don't know. I'm skeptical. I like, I, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. I think, I think there would have to be a really strong call for that in the, in, in the, among fans. Well, I, I don't think that exists. 
one thing, uh, uh, I mean, one way it could be done is simply now that uh, they've caught up with uh, the Japanese releases, uh -huh. they, they don't have as many ways to exploit the license as they sure. had before. So a re-edition, uh, more expensive one, of course, if it's a higher quality, would be a good way for them to make this more money. It's like, it. like so. hope through cynicism. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how it's done in general. Yeah. I know how it's done. I mean, they are not going to do it just to be nice. So I know yeah. that's how it's done. They're not going to uh, be like, oh man, we really could have done a better job. But they will yeah. be like, <laughs> you know, hey, we want to make, we want to exploit this for everything we can. I, I can believe that. So well, yeah. That, that's how companies do it. So yeah. I mean, if, if it's done, that's the only way it's going to be done. In Japan, they were like that's that's hard. Dude. That's a lot of work. Like it's not like what like in the DVD business where it's like, hey, we're gonna release the exact same thing again. You know? Yeah. yeah. Have to put any sort of effort into it. In Japan, they released those my best remix versions of the volumes. Were they were they the same volumes or were they like cut and excised versions of what's portrayed in the anime? Were they the same or uh, no? No, these are actually re-editions of uh, volumes that were released uh, a while back when uh, okay. there was uh, a break. So it's not the first time we, we get them. I actually bought them twice. I mean, I have each edition, and they are absolutely similar. Well, except for the you know side content. So and in short, it's just. Uh, some kind of cheaper version, you know. They collect uh, two and a half volumes, you know, mm. standard volumes uh, in the bigger ones, and um, you know the covers are less, you know, of lesser quality. The paper is is also of a lesser quality. Jeez, there's ads all over it too, with like text everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Ugh. it's it's more in the magazine format, but they are bigger and uh, cheaper, so it's just some kind of. Yeah, it's some way for people to read it for cheap. You know, I mean, you have to understand in Japan, it's uh, it works a lot like that. People just read manga, you know, on the sheet turns and they just throw it in the trash bin, or they read yeah. it in the subway and just leave it on the seat. So yeah, yeah I mean, it fits uh, their business model, hmm. and it's a good way to get people to you know be interested in the series. And since they don't release the you know the entire collection like that. People then have to buy the the manga. Uh, I mean the normal standard volumes at a yeah. higher price in order to read the you know the rest. So right. Uh, sorry, Nomad, you were going to say something. Well, yeah. I mean, in regards to the whole translated mangas and all that stuff. I mean, I'm I'm just glad that they actually did some sort of a translation in English because that was my that was my main pickle. And you can even ask as I I, I think even you, Walter, that the first time I started going to school and that I. I believe I asked you for um, <laughs> something involving some scans <laughs> well, the first time I went there. Yeah. Um, but, but, I mean, coming from not having anything to at least having some sort of a decent translated uh, version, I mean, I'm fully content with it. I, I don't think that that will be a priority for articles, like you know, like, like you guys said. Um, and frankly, I don't think it's really that necessary. I don't think, uh, I mean, Berserk may be well known know to these days but i don't think it's it's uh i mean do, do you do you guys even know like how dark horse sales stand in all this like the berserk sales here in america or they're pretty good they're, they're pretty have, decent as i as i as i recall they're generally in the top 10 20 uh when they're released so i think they do pretty yeah, good but i mean I'm, 
pretty, I'm pretty sure it went down, you know, like from, you know, like to this date. I mean, I'm pretty sure that uh, it, it, it hasn't become that popular, or has it? I mean, that's, I guess, that was the question. I, I think, I think uh, it's, it's, I think it's decently popular actually. Uh, I'm pretty sure the series is. I mean, I'm not sure it sells as strong as it did in the beginning, but I think it's, uh, yeah, it's decently popular. And I don't think Dark Horse is going to abandon the series or anything. I'm pretty sure it sells uh, relatively well. For what it's worth, it might even be the manga that sells best among uh, those they have at Dark Horse. I don't know for yeah. sure, but I don't think he's doing too badly. Yeah, anyway, but, and from where, from where I stand, from where I stand, I, I say, you know what, that's that's fine with what we have. I don't, I wouldn't ask for anything more. I mean, if I don't know how badly translated this the 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 Dark Horse stuff because that's pretty much what I've been following. It's oh, been it's the not, Dark Horse yeah. versions I have. Seen. It's not very good, but you know, even if you didn't have the English versions, you could still read the Spanish ones, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't like to read about the, the Guerrero Negro or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, now that, that that begs the question, Adil. I mean, do you know even if the Spanish versions are better? I mean, is this? Uh, no, some... I have no idea. I have no idea if the translation is better. But I saw uh, some of the volumes and they looked uh, pretty nice, but. Uh, yeah, I haven't read them or anything, so I can't tell you. And I wouldn't be able to know about the translation. It's probably not that good either. I mean, I'm sure it's not necessarily better than uh, Dark Horse uh, Walker. Uh, the, the, I, I think any translation is better than the. Go ahead, Martha. I was just gonna say I don't think Dark Horse is is that bad. They're hit or miss. They 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 miss some things like well, way off. Honestly, but... yeah, honestly, it's pretty mediocre. From what I've read, it's pretty mediocre in general. I mean, it's it's never it's never great. It's never perfect. It goes right. from uh, from alright or mediocre to you know completely wrong. But uh, yeah, yeah, of course, the, the the big glaring flaw with Dark Horse is, of course, that they had adhere to official naming conventions for Japan for Night of Skeleton, for example. That's just. Woo, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. I'm still really wondering. Hurts. Yeah, I'm still wondering who decided that and where and at what point and such because it just seems stupid to me. And, and uh, in Japan, on Japanese, uh, uh, I mean, on Japanese um, products and such on merchandise, they've used uh, Skull Knight before, and uh, even nowadays, uh, Art of War uses Skull Knight. So, I mean, there was a time where they used Knight of Skeleton, which is obviously a ridiculously badly translated, uh, you know. I mean, I, I think it was just translated by Babelfish at the time. I think that's how Babelfish translated it. And that's that's how they translated it. I mean, there's, there's even no doubt about it. So, yeah, it's completely wrong. And uh, just like they were wrong about other stuff that they corrected, uh, you know, as time went by, you know, like Beherit, uh, Silat, you know, character names, Isidro... Shiruki even, uh, you know. Anyways, yeah, I, I still wonder how that went down and who decided that because it's just, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll move on to Beyond Berserk stuff. Unless, Griff, you had something to say, I'm sorry. Nah, I'm good. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, video game stuff. So, yeah, I actually have something significant to say this week. Um... Azeal was nice enough to gift me uh, Dark Souls on Steam. And it has been, seriously, without question, one of the greatest video game experiences of my life. It is fan-fucking-tastic. Yep. The past few nights have been, well, I guess it's been like two weeks now, I've played this game. Like Every single experience is immersive. Uh, it completely absorbs my thoughts. When I, Even when I'm away from the game, you think about... When you encounter a new area, you're constantly thinking about how you can best run through it. 
or if you've hit a dead end, you're even if you're away from the game, I'm constantly thinking about like well, maybe I haven't explored this area. Like, I'm going through the map in my head, uh, and it's there's a lot to the game. Uh, it's very punishing uh, if you're not if you don't approach it seriously and cautiously, and so I think it turns a lot of people off uh, because it is it's not a casual experience. You have to sit down and play this game. You have to. You can't. You you couldn't be playing this game while doing something else very easily. Uh, if you're not aware of what's going on, you can get even even the first area's enemies could kill you if you aren't paying attention to what you're doing and they attack you in various numbers. But um, yeah, the the game world is amazing. Uh, the combat is some of the best game combat I've ever had or experienced. You know, constantly learning new ways to do things. It's just an amazing game, and I, I think everybody should play it that that has the ability to play it. Uh, so I know. Is it as good as the Elder Scrolls? It is. Fuck, it is. <laughs> it's on a fucking completely different level. Okay. <laughs> utterly. I was. Utterly I was actually asking uh, As about it earlier, when yeah. I think you were off yeah. uh, setting something up for the podcast. I was asking him where it ranks on the uh, on the game recommendation Mass Effect Infinite Space scale. <laughs> and if well, it's, uh, yeah, well, yeah, actually, it, uh, it ranks pretty high on it, honestly, yeah. I think, I think it's a really great game, and, uh, yeah, it's a, you know, I wouldn't say it's one of the best experiences of my whole life, like what I said, but, yeah, it's, it's really a good game, and, yeah, definitely one of the greatest ones I've played in the, I don't know, in the past 10 years, maybe easily. So, I guess, yeah, when you put it like that, it is among one of the best games I've played. And, uh, really, I, I really like it. I mean, I bought it to Walter because uh, I really felt he had to play it, you know, n- you know, no matter what. And uh, I, th- I think you really should give it a shot as well, Griffiths, because it's, uh. it's a really cool game. And, um, you know, from software, I've been, uh, they've been making, you know, some pretty shitty games in the past. Not shitty, but mediocre. But f- the few I- I'd played always felt like there was a strong potential to me, like strong potential that was specifically ruined by their poor uh, poor technical uh, you know skills you know to implement their ideas and uh, i think they really came into you know something good with uh, demon souls and uh, dark souls and actually i didn't play demon souls but i'd really like to play it and uh, if i ever end up getting a precision tree you know when it's dirt cheap it would be to play demon souls well i think they're actually yeah, you guys off the servers right now what what what, what? I think they turned off the Demon Soul servers recently. Ah, yeah, yeah, the multiplayer servers, but oh, I don't really right. care about that. I mean, yeah, neither do I. Yeah. That's a nice, you know. The problem is there are a lot of people who just, you know, at least as far as Dark Souls go, who just, you know, they buff up as as you know strongly as they can, and then they just pester people they... whenever they can. It's it's not very interesting. I did I did a little multiplayer, and it was. It wasn't too too bad, but when you're fighting against some guy who's insanely strong and you can't do shit to him and he's just killing you using tricks and cheats, well, yeah, it's just, just not very interesting. I wanted to explain that to people that may not know. So it's, it's a single-player game in a single-player world. It's not a massively multiplayer online game. The way the multiplayer works is when you are traversing the world, you can see messages written on the ground by people that have played the game before, and it's like really, really terse, short I think it's even pre-programmed messages to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pre-programmed. All of it yeah. is pre-programmed. Uh, so you like, can, like, you get to yeah. a cliff, for example, 
and, and the cliff will they have got like a, a marking on the ground and you read it and it says try jumping you know <laughs> yeah. just like obviously don't try jumping but sometimes it's useful information but you can also see like kind of ghosts of people as they're playing like you can actually see how they died you can yeah. check blood stains to see what encounter they had that killed them and how they wrongly approached the enemy for example it's like really brief fleeting images of how the other players approached it and occasionally so, uh, if you are at a certain point in the game or a certain type of game, you can you get invaded by another player who essentially tries to kill you. Uh, I actually killed my first invader last night. It was really hilarious. They were overconfident, and I backstabbed them multiple times, which is just sad. <laughs> nice. It was really exciting. Um, but you can also summon people to help you, other players uh, and other NPCs to help you in game, which is really cool. But it's it's a very hands off multiplayer experience. It's, it's totally optional. You don't have to do it. If you don't want to get invaded, there are ways to not get invaded if you're so interested in that. So you can kind of play it however you want to. It's really interesting. But it's also visually, it's gorgeous. I mean, I can't get over. I, I remember playing Shadow of the Colossus, and this is not like Shadow of the Colossus at all. I'm just comparing it to it visually, where even though the game is very sparse, every new area I wanted to explore and look around and see every little part of the architecture there was so I could learn more about the world, or at least you know the inferred knowledge of what the world was like. And Dark Souls is the exact same way, because they don't lay out the plot for you. You have to kind of look and see how things are constructed and get glean details from item descriptions and characters and things that I'm constantly walking around, you know, independent of this combat and just looking at the world because it's so uniquely constructed and it's all seamlessly designed where it's not like you click, you know, a loading screen and then you're, you're spawned to a different map. All the different maps interconnect into this giant world, like a Castlevania castle, for example, it's like that. So yeah, yeah I'm blown away by this game. Yeah. My, my only pep, about uh, Dark Souls and Demon Souls is the I've lack that you can't myself. really. Well, yeah, but well, I'm, I'm sure. But the fact that you can't actually invite uh, one of your, like, say, a personal friend to join you in your world and help you out because the worlds are challenging enough, you know, to, for two people, three people, whatever, you know, however the maximum will be four. I don't know. Um, but it's challenging enough for having, you know, two, you know, two friends helping each other out in this world and going throughout the challenges and all that stuff. And that was like the only thing that I felt missing from uh, from these games. Uh, Dark Souls, I bought it for the PC. I haven't installed it. I haven't played it yet. Demon Souls, I loved it. I passed it. I played it even after I finished it. I played it for quite a bit. Um, but it just felt to me like empty with just me being alone and. Uh, you know, like I, I, I think I even told Az that time. It's like, man, I wish you had a PlayStation Three and we can actually play together this thing. You know, because it, yeah. it would have been interesting. You know, it would have been a very uh, uh, an interesting experience. But I'm, I'm with you guys. I mean, the, the Demon Souls and Dark Souls is, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing game, and it brings back the old school gaming. You know, back at, you know, back to the NES and I guess sometimes Super NES or whatever 8-bit system you use where you know you died you screwed you get penalized and that's that you know there's there's yeah there's no um i think the difficulty and the challenge in that regard is actually more calculated than it was back in the 8-bit era because uh the challenge back then people just didn't play test games to the point where they realized oh this boss is really difficult and when they die they're sent to the very beginning maybe that's a little too harsh now it's like they know exactly what they're doing with the game. They did they you know intentionally implement certain challenges that you have to learn from. Like all the deaths that you do you encounter are all learning experiences. Like all the rules are set are in a set place. 
You just have to know how to approach an enemy, and you learn when you die. Oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't go around to his tail, or he's going to stab me in the back, you know, or something like that. You know, you learn every time you die. But uh, regarding multiplayer, I also think that's an intentional design choice where they didn't want you to group up in this game like you would with any standard MMO, because yeah. it, I imagine it's a, it's a part of the intensity of the game is not having anybody back. I mean, you are alone out there in the middle of this, you know, nightmare land, basically. Uh, it's more, it's much more tension involved. However, I do agree with you that if you're going through a second playthrough, it would be way more fun to do it with a friend after you're already beyond the tension and suspense of the game in single player. After you've already experienced that, it would be better to go back with yeah. and just kind of blow through the areas. That would be cool. I, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. So that's I don't know. As far as video games is concerned, uh, Azil, did you uh, by any chance play the DLC, the Mass Effect 3 DLC? Did you play it or no? Uh, no, I haven't played it yet, actually. But I've been thinking about that. Uh, these devs have been replaying um, you know, NDS games that uh, I haven't finished for some reason. So I'm finishing uh, um, The World Ends With You, which is um, RPG by Square right now. On the 3DS, okay. but uh, yeah, no, I haven't gotten around to it. But uh, I've been thinking about it. Yeah, I think I'll uh, I'll buy the Leviathan um, DLC and I'll play the ending again uh, pretty soon and do that new DLC. Okay. Uh, regarding regarding the world ends with you, I, I watched the first ten minutes of that on on a quick look on on YouTube. I could not get past the intro dialogue, the the emo attitude of the main character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he gets better. The guy gets better. But yeah, yeah. That, that's a bit painful. But uh, you know, when you get past that, it's not. It's not very interesting. It's. Not, I mean, it's not a, a very important part of the game. The game's all about design and uh, you know, fashion. The way it's done. I think it's very interesting. I mean, I'm not at all into that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, you know, in spite of that, uh, I, I think the game has a lot of charm. And I thought it was very. What to say? different from the usual uh, RPGs you get from, you know, Japan and such. And, you know, it was fitting in a way. You know, when you see Final Fantasy and uh, these guys are all wearing ridiculous uh, garb, you know, it doesn't make it doesn't make much sense, uh, you know, outside of uh, Shibuya in Tokyo. So, and, and I think, yeah, that's the game <laughs> that actually takes place in Tokyo and that's all about fashion and uh, it's very self-conscious about that. And, uh, you know, you get powers by, you know, wearing different, you know, clothes, eating different foods and you know, stuff like that. And, and I think it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty, what say, I like it. It's charming, you know, it's got that urban charm to it and uh, I, I'm, I, saw, I started playing it again after uh, seeing that the sequel might, might be in the, in the works and uh, I, I remember and I was like, oh, it's true, I never finished it so yeah, I'm going to finish it and wait for the sequel because overall it's a, it's a pretty nice game and I recommend it. I mean, if uh, you don't know what to play, you want to play a, a Japanese RPG that's a bit different from uh, the usual stuff. Uh, I recommend this. And it's actually, the gameplay is also relatively challenging because you're controlling two characters at the same time. And uh, it's not that easy to manage at times. Yeah, it looks complicated, honestly. It looks like a cool use of the DS. Yeah. Uh, it's like if you're, you're trying to pat your head and rub your stomach, it's kind of that kind of thing where you get out of sync. Yeah, because you have to, to play by touch and at the same time you have to control using the D-pad. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's not that easy. Right, right. Um, Griff? 
Well, let's see. I just wrapped up uh, Snake Eater on the 3DS. Oh, cool. So Snake Eater 3D. How many and times yeah, was... have you played through that at this point? Uh, That one? I've played through it three times. Because, let's see, you sent me <laughs> it the first time. Yeah. And I, I played through it on, like, ultra easy mode, like, embarrassingly, just, like, breeze through it, just to, like, get the story. Yeah. And then I, to make up for that, I played it on extreme and beat it on that. And, uh, wow. and yeah, so then this was the third time and those ones, I literally, I literally played it back to back when I did, when I did that, like in like two days. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I, I sent you, I, I mailed Griff my PS2 just so he could play Snake Eater. I think it was Shadow of the Colossus as well. Yeah. And Shadow of the Colossus. And in, in the, in the package was the PS2. And I think as soon as he hit the open button on the tray inside, it said, this is a sneaking mission. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, in, it was yeah, tied on there. Oh, that's I think I've still got that piece of paper actually. <laughs> Yep, and uh, it's a great. You sure use an agent like that for our top secret sneaking missions? I love it when they say that, and it's just like this is embarrassing. <laughs> like, oh yeah, they're that's... using the game speak like in their like these, you know, like the White House chief of staff, you know, is like talking about sneaking missions. And I noticed that I I threw on uh, Metal Gear Solid One last night just to look at the opening, and they called it like an infiltration mission. It was like, okay, that sounds official. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, I think it also had, like, you know, objectively speaking, less ridiculous dialogue. There's still some in there. That's true. But, uh, but yeah, it was, I don't know, it seemed like a much more focused, like, yeah. simple endeavor that they were making with that one. Yeah, I I can't put my finger on it because, honestly, it's been five, six years since I played the game. At least it feels like that long. But I, I just remember, yeah, like you said, it's a more tight experience. It, it didn't have so much peripheral noise around it like some of the other games did, you know? Like it was trying yeah. to achieve too much. This game was like, yep, yeah, you're in a jungle when you're infiltrating a fucking base, and that's it, you know? Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it had a lot of cool stuff in it, but it just sort of let that, you know, it let that stuff be cool on its own without having to tell you about it all the time. Like just the fact that you're playing as Big Boss and everything. And right. I don't know, now with this new trailer coming out to tie it to that, it's like, I don't know. I feel like they're running that into the ground. <laughs> like, yeah. And Breaking like, the Force War. I mean, really? Yeah. Oh, did they? Yeah. I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I kept you waiting. Oh, God. Like that. Well, he was yeah. talking to his team buddies, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually he says that at the beginning of uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 at some point. So that was, yeah, that was another, like, you know, I only knew that because I just played it. Like, I literally replayed the opening, like, before I watched that video because I was, like, going to, like, maybe play on Extreme. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is, that's a very nerdy nod to fans, like, to be like, oh, he said what he said at the beginning of MTS3. <laughs> I know that off the top of my head. Like, well. It's, it's cool that his character design is actually looking more like Big Boss now because he has the beard and it's getting beginning to gray a little bit. Yeah. starting to look more like the character design for Big Boss as he gets older. Yeah, so I, I but the game concept itself—I mean, I just—and honestly, I'm not excited for it. People on Twitter have been flipping out over these this 10-minute sequence, but it's really—it's not—it's not doing much for me. I don't quite get the hype. Other than eight yeah. of the 10 minutes was really boring. Oh yeah, actually, it was like in a bunch of just goofy stuff with like the kid in the cage and. Well, yeah. the, in typical fashion, it's a Kojima production that's clearly full of itself. That thinks yeah. it can get away with doing a lot of like boring, detail-oriented stuff that just doesn't really do anything for the audience. But clearly, some people are excited about it. I mean, the most exciting part of the trailer is probably 
the visual fidelity of the engine. I guess that's about it yeah. that really did it for me. Other than that, I mean, yet another again, like I said in the thread, yet another sneaking mission. I'm I'm done with this shit. I'm, I've been you done know, with it for years. All it made me want to do <laughs> is play, uh, you know, the Peace Walker game on uh, on the uh, PSP. You know, right? Because they do reference Paz, which is the character in Peace. Yeah, yeah, the girl, the blonde girl. So right. yeah, I yeah, was I like, never oh, played yeah. that at all. I'd be that's on the HD collection too, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yep. It's a little more reasonable, although I'm probably never going to own a PS3. Oh well, you can get it for Xbox. Hmm. No, you you can. No, no, I don't yep. think you can. You can. Yes. You can. Sure, yes, yeah. you, can. You, can, you can get Peace Walker for for Xbox. Yeah, on the HD collection, yeah. they've got Metal oh. Gear Solid Three, Metal Gear Two, and Peace Walker. <laughs> oh, Metal really? Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at it right I now. I'm feel excited. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it right as we finish this podcast. <laughs> wow, I like I you know I like how this is like breaking. <laughs> you know, Sorry, right? old. <laughs> we know what Az is doing after the show. That's but, nice. Uh, yeah, and I don't know. My feeling is, is like, yeah, I feel I'm kind of I'm in the same place as you, Walter. I mean, I was defending it in the thread, just Metal Gear in general, because it's like I I do think it's easy to dismiss these things, but it's like it, you know they've had some really good games. It's more sad than anything that like you know I wish they took it more seriously, if that makes sense. Even though this is obviously going to be a big self indulgent thing, but it's still like when I hear like Kojima said. This is the prologue mm-hmm. to Metal Gear Solid Five. It sounds well. Then you know, obviously, I guess doing Metal Gear Solid Five isn't that urgent to right. you. And at the same time, this is just sort of like a go-between. So it's like neither of these games seems very important right now. I mean, it's sort of like you know, t- you know, tell me when you're really trying. But what about just, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance? Right. Yeah, just you know, when you're not doing Revengeance or like, when is it not just a side game or you know? Well, Revengeance, something? Revengeance isn't even is barely a Konami game to begin with. Now it's a Platinum yeah. Games game. Yeah. So well, yeah, apparently they're having trouble. I mean, not trouble, but uh, they have a lot of different point of view between Platinum and uh, you know Fox Games or whatever it's called, Kojima Productions or anything. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, uh, Griff, you asked me in the thread, like, what would I like to see him do other than this? I mean, like, really, I mean, name your, you can take your pick. Like, I, would, <laughs> no, I, would, I just meant, no, I just meant, I mean, this is what he does. I just meant, like, you know, as gaming in general, like, you know, like, that, you know, the guys made some really sort of amazing games. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I, you know, so I want to believe he's going to do another one. Like, <laughs> that's just my point. In my, I was also thinking, like, you know, there's other series where you could sort of, you know, throw your hands up in the air and wash your hands of them. Like, you know, I think I came to Zelda as an example, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, it's sort yeah. of the same thing you were saying about yet another sneaking mission. It's like, oh, another another dungeon mission. Well, that, that, that's a, that is exactly how I feel about Zelda now. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> actually, when I read that comment, I was feeling, yeah, actually, you know what? I honestly didn't give a shit about uh, Skyward Sword, you know. Not that I didn't give a shit, but... I just, I just you know bought it because I like the series and whatever, but it was more like out of duties than anything. Yeah, and, I got because uh, it, it was like you know IGN and everything, even though it's their job to do this, like oh best Zelda ever, you oh, know. Yeah, there was some yeah. crazy hype around that game right yeah. around the launch. Yeah, very very well played Nintendo. Yeah, <laughs> but, well uh, done. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I mean, the only thing like I said in the thread that would get me excited is if, you know, he said this is the prologue to Metal Gear Solid 5. The only thing that would make me excited would be if Metal Gear Solid 5 actually is like that retelling of like the first Metal Gear games. Basically just, you that, know, that's what that. I yeah. It won't be. Yeah. yeah. 
But, but you know, yeah, that, uh, I mean, Metal Gear Solid 1 was already a retelling in a way. I mean, he reused a lot of elements from these two games. So, right. I mean, it's like making remakes out of other remakes. I don't know. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, I can understand what you were saying about, uh, yeah, sure, sure, these games are not that bad. And I mean, it's, it's good that they are there. But I think... Uh, I think Kojima could do other stuff. Yeah, I, I don't like the I don't like this approach. I don't like the whole like you know Ground Zeroes. Like it's just another you know Metal Gear Solid with just a subtitle, but it's not. Yeah. you know they they're signaling to you, but it's not really that important. It's almost like you know you can't they can't lose because it's like if it's if it's great, you know it's great, and if it's not, then it's like oh well you know that's just the build up to the next game, which may or may not be important. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I actually wonder if Ground Zeroes will be a fully, you know, marketed full product, or if it's going to be like a downloadable, a, literally a prologue to the game. You know? No, oh. I think I think it. I think it will be a full product. Be a full-on game. Yeah. yeah. The reason the reason I say that is because when I watched the trailer this morning, it's very sparse. It almost feels like kind of a Kojima Rouge, a Rouge the, in that like, yep. I'm making another game, and here's what it looks like. Only none of this will be in my game. I'm just trying to hype you up for the next <laughs> game. You know, that's the impression I got from watching it. And coming, this is coming from the guy who constructed an entirely new area for Metal Gear Solid 2 just to show it off in the trailers, so that when they played the game, it it, it was a completely different experience. He, so. he made a completely like fake out game. Yes. <laughs> like his whole like Metal Gear Solid 2 itself is just a huge like yeah, basically just a curveball for his like fans. It's yeah. like you know so. Yeah, you, you make a good point, but I don't know. I feel like I almost missed that Kojima. Like at this point, I feel like he really. I feel like he's just being, you know, he's just making the same like, "Hey, Snake's back." Ugh. It's like really, he he never even left. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he was just here ten minutes ago. You know, is he really back? He was. Like, he's walking yeah, like three years ago. He's ever present, <laughs> so you know, it's, uh, he hasn't kept me waiting at all, and. uh I don't know. I feel like he's just, yeah, he's just sort of happy. Like, you know, I feel like he took a lot of flack for Metal Gear Solid 2. There was a lot of, na I still know people that have never played another game in the series since then. <laughs> like casual fans. Like I got friends. They're like, I tell them, did you play the third one? It's great. You know, and they're like, no way, man. You know, they were just so turned off. So I, I think he like learned from turned, that. But I, I remember exactly what had happened. Like I, playing Metal Gear Solid 2 with my friend. Uh, the tanker was great. It has a great climax, and then it goes to the oil, uh, the rig, the big, big shell, big shell. And, and you start off playing as this like you know whiny kid. I'm like, wait, this is like a joke, right? Like, when's it gonna get back to Snake? Oh yeah. No. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. having the same reaction. Twenty like, hours oh. later. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It never recovered from me. That game, I never recovered from that part of the transition. I don't care if it's like if people's opinions have changed over time. Mine has not. <laughs> yeah, mine. I've, I don't know. It's always been very love hate with me. But like in that sick way, it, I think it's one of my favorite games. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's funny to say. Wow. It's kind of like kind of like kind of like Roadhouse yeah. being one of my favorites, favorite movies. I guess. Uh, well, like I said, I feel like it's like, I don't know, like, I'd rather he did, like, crazy stuff like that than, like, basically making another, like, hey, you're a snake, you're, it's almost becoming, like, Call of Duty, mm -hmm. where it's just, like, you know, you're, you're the army guy sneaking around, and it's, like, you know, you're this cool character, and it's, like, well, there's nothing sort of, 
Yeah. I don't know. Well, nothing sort of challenging about this, like intellectually anymore. Stimulating. It's not, you know, it's not that interesting. It's not even like doing. I feel like it's not even doing, you know, justice to like his really preachy, overwritten, like anti-war messages, you know, and things. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's doing it by the numbers. I agree with that. Yeah. Where it's like he just doesn't seem to care. You know, he doesn't care anymore. I don't know. Where like he's he's mentioned he's he's like retired how many times? Uh, well, he said it's his last game like three times at this point. So you know, so the thing is, uh, I don't think he's got much of a choice because uh, I'm not sure I mentioned Dittorio in the trade or anything. But you know, Konami is not doing too well in nowadays. I mean, I remember we talked about Capcom and how I think that they are doing well. You know, for a Japanese developer, Konami yeah. is you know they are doing terrible. They are doing terrible. I don't think they've got anything that makes money except Metal Gear. So. Yeah, if you don't have this series, they have nothing. So yeah, I mean, what choice does Kojima have? When you, know? you when you said that, I liked to. It, it made me think of like he should, you know, like he's locked in a cell somewhere having to make Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have much of a choice. Yeah. Like he's gonna have to make a game where Snake is going to rescue him. <laughs> you know, they are they are electrocuting him uh, just like in uh, Metal Gear Solid One. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't, but you see the thing is I feel like it couldn't I mean I guess like how invested is he in Konami cuz like he very. seems very loyal like to PlayStation and to you know Konami and like you know because he could go become a developer somewhere else I no, mean Ko- I guess Konami Kojima, Kojima has an official position within Konami he was named yeah. something well, recently Yeah he's a big shot there now I mean he was a producer for the Castlevania game by the you know Spanish guys and uh, he's overlooking uh, all the new Metal Gear Solid games, and that's like oh, that's yeah. like three or four games or anything or something like that. So, so that, that kind of explains it in a practical sense why they're like why they're playing it safe and why they're sort of franchising this thing to the degree they are. Where it's like literally like you know before it's like well I'm going to retire from making my little opus here. This is my my big budget art games that I cared about. To like oh we've got like three coming out in the next three years, you know. And yeah. in 2011, he was promoted to vice president of Konami Digital Entertainment. So he's really has hooks. The, co- the company really has hooks into his, you know, career. Yeah, he's practically the head of the company now. Right. <laughs> I, I feel like, because yeah. Like, yeah, he's the only one that can make money for it. I feel like it, the attitude with these games has almost gone from like, you know, his pretension was like, you know, this, these are like handcrafted by him, you know, to now they're like coming off an assembly line is what it feels like. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, uh, we never asked. How about the movie? Oh, God, the movie. Yeah. Uh, I have utterly no opinion of that. Here's the thing. Whenever you say video game movie, it's either going to be like a U-Bowl type movie, right? Or it's going to be like that Resident Evil CG movie, which I heard was fucking abysmal. So, I mean. Oh, really you know what? They're making Resident Evil. I think they're like on the fifth or sixth one in theaters. Yeah. And then right there's now. and then there's that. So I mean, yeah. Yeah. I saw I saw the CG movie. Uh, I mean, the animated movie for Resident Evil. It wasn't that bad. It uh, wasn't okay. that good, but it wasn't that bad either. It was, yeah, I don't know, mediocre. I guess. I just remember yeah, it, hearing something. It didn't add anything to the plate, really. That that yeah. movie that he's talking about. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. To me, it seems like a real cash grab. It doesn't seem like the series necessarily needs to be on the big screen. Oh, yeah, of course, you know? of course. I mean, well, it's already a movie in video game yeah, format. It's funny. So. Yeah, it's already, that's the whole point. Like, they even, there's a line in Metal Gear 3 which has excellent sort of, like, pop culture references and, you know, very self-referential in a clever way about how, like, you know, 
they're talking about movies and how one day they're going to have movies that you can play, you know, and say, oh, yeah. oh give me a break, you know, <laughs> like what a dumb <laughs> idea. And, you know, so it's almost and also the fact the Metal Gear series is already such a mashup of movies. I mean, it it, ta- it apes every movie, like every 80s action movie and a bunch of other movies. Yeah, it's kind of weird to like turn that into a movie. <laughs> it's like it's already, you know, it's already done that. If you want to see Metal Gear, the movie, yeah. watch all the movies it's based on. Yeah, or watch much. The Rock that has Sean Connery and Michael Bean, the like, original design yeah. for Big Boss and Snake. And <laughs> that's about as close, and actually in similar roles, and it's about as close as it comes. Yeah. <laughs> Just minus a Metal Gear. I, I remember I remember Walter's uh, comment when they announced the Max Payne movie, and, and I'm always going to remember this line when he, where he said that uh, you're making a movie based on a video game that's based on a whole entourage of movies. Great. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah. Okay, you know, and look how that one, look how well that ended up. Ended up. I heard Max Payne was was great. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, <laughs> great idea, guys. No, I didn't actually see the Max Payne movie, but uh, I've uh, you guys seen it because I, of course, I knew he was it was going to be pure shit. But uh, anyone has seen it here? I I don't bother with these movies, honestly. Yeah, well, me neither. Uh, I saw but... half of it. I saw half of it, and it was it was bad. It was it was really bad. <laughs> so, you know. I won't deny it, though it has some nice visual effects, yes, here and there, but that was it. That's that that that's all I gave it. All right. So, well, well, I guess I we'll move on to questions. Unless anybody got anything else? No. I, I, Azil, you did say in the notes that Adventure Time. I would love to talk about that as well, but maybe we'll save that for another podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yes, yes. Uh, I'm a pretty big fan of Adventure Time. Uh, Gobolatula introduced me to it actually quite a while ago when it first uh, debuted, and uh, I've been following it ever since. And uh, yeah, it's, it, I really like uh, I really like that series. I think it's it's pretty cool for what it's do- what it's doing. I mean, nowadays uh, I think cartoons in general for kids are, are pretty shitty, and um, I think that one is. Um, yeah, it's pretty good, and uh, it can be. I mean, even as an adult, there's a lot of references that are obviously aimed at adults. So, I'm not even sure it's really a show that's aimed at kids in particular. And uh, yeah, they're, they're doing a game for the 3DS that's by Way Forward, yeah, which is a studio I appreciate uh, quite a bit. So I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I think what it. I, I don't. I also don't. I don't really think a series is for kids. I've seen maybe one or two episodes. I think what it does is it recaptures like the feeling you had when you watched cartoons as a kid. You know, that kind of spirit of adventure sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's yeah. that's what it's, it's effective at doing, and why older people or older our age would like it as well, even though it is in a kid setting, is because it's. You know, it's doing what we we wished cartoons did back in the day, sort of things. Yeah, it's put, it's putting a twist on it every time. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty good. I, I really appreciate it a lot, and I, I hope. Uh, yeah, I hope uh, it will be successful, and DVDs will come out, and such and such. There's already a, a DVD for the first season that's out on Amazon. So it's also worth mentioning that the 3DS game that's being developed is basically based on or designed around Zelda 2, which is yeah, you know, yeah, of course, interesting. I did- I didn't mention it because, uh, yeah, I, ho- I hope they've got some uh, cool themes uh, for the towns in there. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> That's just made for you, as They're going to sell one copy of that game. <laughs> yeah, well, not just one. I'll buy the, you know, standard edition and the special edition. Yeah. And there's a Japanese collector's edition, and yeah. Wow. 
You're, you're going to see it in the store with a, a Zeal stamp of approval on oh. the label. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we uh, move on, do you yeah. uh, want to generally touch on the Breaking Bad mid-season finale tonight? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'll really briefly – I'm excited, obviously, but I don't think it's going to be a big send-off like I said a couple episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, at this point, I thought it would maybe build up to a particular scenario where they would leave us for this season or this half-season. I, I don't I don't sense that coming anymore. I think it's going to be a whimper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I also think it's going to be an arbitrary – Tune in next summer for the rest of Breaking Bad. Also, you can't get this on Dish. <laughs> yeah, that, they're going to make sure to push that. I've been seeing that everywhere. God. Every, the way the guy delivers that line, I don't want to dwell on this too much because it's totally an aside. The, guy, the way the guy delivers the line, he may as well be pissing in the guy's mouth. It's just like, <laughs> you can't get this on Dish, you dicks. <laughs> you know, it's, it's ridiculous. AMC, they have some good shows – they don't know what the fuck to do with them, honestly. Their marketing yeah, well, department. That's why Breaking Bad is, you know, sort of in this weird position with the the half seasons. Of yeah. these, you know, they, they can't afford to keep like all their shows, like Mad Men and Walking Dead and Breaking Bad. So it's yeah. like they're muscling out like the most critically. I don't know if it's the most critically acclaimed, but it's definitely won the most like you know major awards. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, it's just a weird thing where it's like they've got you know they struck gold, but it's like it's hard to maintain. Yeah, that's that, exa- you know, that's the ex- cost of success. That's exactly. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's it's like they struck gold and then they don't know what to do with it all. Like it's like yeah, I don't they, know what to do with all this shit. Yeah, it's like we we have the gold, but we can't afford to transport it or break it down. Right. You know, it's like God. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I don't I, know, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. The only way I can see it sort of having a sort of that big bang significance is uh is if they basically do like a Godfather montage of people mm. getting wasted. Like that's the right. only way. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, don't know if they'll do I, that or not. I think any any astute viewer at this point knows where the series is going to go. We see a next immediate turn. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Uh, last episode was very sad for all Breaking Bad viewers. Yep. Oh, well. Yeah, it's going to be good. But, yeah, again, I don't expect a big, huge send-off, which is too bad. But maybe, maybe, maybe we'll be surprised. I don't know. Yeah. I'll watch it either way. Next my dad already has a theory about the. Oh, never mind. Let's okay. Just... It's probably too specific. We'll, um, we'll move on to member questions and we'll wrap it up. We're kind of running long today. Uh, first question comes in from Kali Ma. What is the best video game controller or what is the one that you prefer? Uh, Super I mean, Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. That was my first immediate answer as well. My first grab is. Here's the thing, though. As far as practicality concerns, I love the DualShock from PS2 and PS3. Uh, it feels the best in my hands. It's the most versatile because you have analog and D-pad. But nostalgia-wise, and the one I had the most positive associations with in my head is the SNES controller. Uh, but I mean, obviously, that design is basically the DualShock, which is an upgraded yeah. version of the SNES. But as far as the design's concerned, that's easily my favorite. I also like. I also really like PC uh, mouse and keyboard. But there's nothing nostalgic or personal about it. It's just a bunch of fucking keys. You know, it's hard to say. It's a great controller. Uh, yeah, great for a first-person shooter. I would never want to play a first-person shooter with a controller unless it's Metroid Prime. So yeah, I feel like sort of the the ultimate evolution of like that kind of that Super Nintendo controller is kind of the Xbox 360 controller because I mean it sort of does the things that the the DualShock does. I'm glad. Like, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because for Dark Souls, um, I spent 
$45 on a wireless PC 360 controller so I can play Dark Souls with a Xbox controller. And I absolutely hate one aspect of the design. Otherwise, it's beautiful. But the bumpers, here, here, I'm glad you guys are here to hear this. The bumpers, not the triggers, but the bumpers sound like this. It's like super, super loud. Now, I don't wow. know if that's like a defect uh, my controller or something. You know, listen if you can hear mine, because I've got mine here. Okay. Can you hear this? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. We Much can quieter, you, though. Can you hear yeah. this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I just said so, because I, I put it right next to my mic, but yeah, right. it's, it's, it doesn't sound loud at all to me, and it, it doesn't bother me at all. So I still don't understand what bothers you about this. But, uh, I mean, I respect your opinion, but, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sure why you find it bothering. Well, I mean, if you can hear it, like, with his headphones on while he's playing the game, I can see that as being a problem. If you can still hear it, like, that can take you out of it, right? More than anything, yeah. more than anything it's the feel. It feels like a really cheap piece of plastic. Uh, but the triggers feel very, you know, Is not it like an actual official Xbox 360 controller or just that designed for PC? Oh, it's sold no, from Microsoft. It's the official... Hmm. But, you know, the thing is it's designed to click. It's made to click. That's that's how it was supposed to be. It's not like it was cheap or anything. The triggers are meant to be triggers and the bumpers are meant to click. That's uh, I mean, that's by design, so... But everything else about the controller feels really well put together. There's this one stupid button that feels like... I'm like a candy machine or something. It's just anyway. Uh, <laughs> I like the, I like the controller. Otherwise, but I'm still getting used to using it for Dark Souls. But uh, it's nice. It's nice to have a wireless controller. I can kick back, prop mm. things up. So, so I don't know. Do, do you guys feel like what was um, that? Mine would have to be uh, the Xbox 360 controller. I've been using it for a while. Ah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I like I like it. Uh, yeah, I think it's the best uh, out of what's available nowadays. I feel you like the, the PlayStation one, the DualShock, can like it's got like a little more options, but by the same token, it's also a little more cluttered at this yeah. point. Yeah, and just one thing though, I'll say about the, that uh, Xbox controller is that the D-pad sucks. I mean, yeah. to me, I, I have no problem with the bumpers, but the D-pad really sucks, and that's the one thing that really that's really bad about it. So it's not, it's not even just the quality of the way they did it where it's multi-directional, not just the main four. It's also badly placed for the thumb design because you'll often hit diagonal when trying to do an up or down. Or oh, yeah. Well, I, I, don't have, I don't really have a problem with how it's placed, but I think it's just not precise. Like when you're hitting, uh, when you want to go in a direction, it will go in, in you know, yeah. not necessarily the one you choose. I think that's just because it's not precise. And they've actually released some special editions. I think it was uh, Halo 3 edition or something like that. That's got a more precise D-pad. Much more precise, and uh, but it's, it's gone, you know. But uh, yeah, no, they still I, sell it. I almost got it, but it was like ten dollars more, so I didn't bother. They also have oh. a PC. Well, nice. Yeah. Well, that one's got a better D-pad. At least there was one limited edition that uh, that had a better one. Yeah, you unscrew it and it raises the D-pad. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Do you think that like Sony's ever going to design like a new controller? Because I mean, I look at the DualShock and I still see that. <laughs> I still remember the first PlayStation controller that was basically just a Super Nintendo yeah. controller yeah. with a different shape. <laughs> and then Honestly, like slowly and steadily, they like they threw the analog sticks on, and then they added <laughs> some more. They added more R button, R and L buttons, and then made them like kind of half triggers. And uh, I don't know. 
I'm pretty sure they're going to stay with their uh, Super NES controller ripoff uh, until the end of days. You know, they the, the... even change the shape because it's. In, I kind of like it though that I still look at that controller and it's like, wow, I was using this in like the late nineties. <laughs> you know, I think, I think their design of it is like it's like almost like a calling card at this point because like the, the the shape yeah. of it is yeah. really associated with a Sony brand, but it's also like it's also kind of a cocky thing for them to do. Like, why should we improve it? It's perfect. You know, it's like kind of yeah. what well, approaching it. This, this thing is when they tried with a boomerang controllers, you know, it got a really bad reception. So, yeah. Yeah. That thing was ridiculous looking. Well, they really should just rip off, you know, what Nintendo's doing or something. They, they have already, though. Yeah, just, I mean, well, they need to do it again, I mean. Yeah. They've already said, like, we, they have Vita compatibility. They, oh, yeah, the Wii U stuff? Yeah, we can do that, too, you know. Yeah. What's interesting is that Nintendo always makes a new controller. And like, yeah. but the GameCube one is really sort of interesting to me because it's like there's not really I can't think of another controller like it, and it's functional, but it just it didn't catch on, I guess. You know, yeah. not the way. Like, I, I mean, I actually else. I really liked the C buttons for Wind Waker. I thought that was really cool, and for Pikmin, it worked yeah. really well as well. I didn't like it's, it much, and it was bad for some things. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Ez. Now, I was going to say there's one thing, you know, you complain about the bumpers on the Xbox controller, but, you know, there's got that Z button on the oh, game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was now, bad. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that's a shitty button. You, you want to talk no. about shitty buttons? That one. Yeah. That's, dude, that's, that's like, it's <laughs> pushing on that's no, what get these, this. That's what these feel like to me. The, the button I'm hitting feels no. just like the Z button. No, no, no you're exaggerating. Bumpers. <laughs> <laughs> I know, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Like, it's like an argument between the two. What's <laughs> the worst bumper? <laughs> it's like, no, screw you guys, what? I'm sticking with the power glove. <laughs> yeah, Metal Gear uh, Twin Snakes. On, in the, do you, have you ever played that as on the GameCube? Uh, no, no, I didn't play Twin Snakes. I, no, I, 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 I saw, I I saw some cinematics and uh, it was enough. You have to hold that little Z button down to get the first-person view, and it's terrible because that, oh, that button God. bites you. I think it's actually got like a spring or something calibrating it, so it pops back yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's fighting you, and yeah, it was just <laughs> it, it really showed the limit. I think of that, like why the GameCube controller, like it was neat for what it was, and it was sort of a neat like alternative design. But like I think that showed its weakness versus like I guess like the standard DualShock style. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, Matt, you, no, Matt, you never answered. I don't think. Uh, power glove? <laughs> no. Um, I'm sticking with the, the uh, Dual Shock. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm. Uh, it's I. Yeah, I use it with better ease than the Xbox. Unfortunately, these days, but Dual Shock is for me. You know, what also a controller that doesn't get a lot of love is the uh, NES Max. Remember this thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the thing was, it had the stupid feature where it had like the rotating red disc, but no one used that. Everyone used the giant black ring around the disc. It was like way more effective. But uh, anyway, yeah. that was a fun controller back in the day. You know anyway, I, to, I mentioned it a second ago the N64 controller because uh, that it actually is sort of the like it and the SNES one is like combined is what made the DualShock. Because mm-hmm. like yeah. it was it was the first one with a stick, if I remember. At least it was the first yeah. One. Yeah. Popular. Yep. Uh, Saturn. The Saturn came out with one very, very quickly after for Knights, a special Knights 3D controller. They called it. They also had an analog stick, but the yeah. SNES one was uh, it was the first true analog stick for modern consoles. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I remember, and I remember that was that was a big deal, and I I really liked the N. I mean, people make fun of it as weird with like the three different uh, like prongs you can grab onto. It's yeah. just it's not intuitive, is why I mean it's just kind of weird. Yeah, it was. Know, weird. It, it, it felt fine, like you know when I was using. I mean, I don't know anyone that ever used like the D pad on it and you held it that way. You always held the middle one and the the one on the right side. I I use the D pad. <laughs> certain games required, like if you ever played. Well, I played Killer Instinct 2 Gold, required you to use the D-pad, and the same for their Mortal Kombats, which are early fighting games with the Instinct. One thing is they made it like impossible, basically, to use the D-pad and the analog stick, I guess, is the big flaw. Right. It was a yeah. one or the other. You had to just control configurations in your hands, yeah. If you had three hands, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You feel like, I felt like, sometimes when you're holding that thing, you feel like you're milking it or something. It's got these prongs coming at you. I don't yeah. Know. It's weird. Um, next question comes from the branded or the branded one. Um, when any of you have kids and they are old enough to read Berserk, will you pass it to them? I don't actually have a good answer for this. I haven't actually given it a lot of thought. I, I, my initial answer is going to be they have to be old enough. Like they really do. I mean, I'm not going to show my eight year old kid Berserk. I mean, wait. So at night you're not like reading Berserk to your wife's, you know, stomach, basically. <laughs> like, like, so the latest episode is out. Yeah, yeah. I sacrifice you. I don't think so. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, it, like anything, like, I, I never want to push anything on anybody. For example, I've never asked my wife, like, do you want to read Berserk? Here's Berserk. You should read this. And it's just like, if she ever expressed any interest, she she could always pick it up. And it's going to stay the same with my son. If he wants to know what it's about, you can pick it up. But I'm not going to be like, you should really read this. You know, it's just not my personality to do that. Yeah, so, I have. I have the same take on it. I've never, I've never introduced Berserk to my friends. Like if they ask me, I'll tell them, "Oh yeah, it's a it's a manga about such and such." And you know, when people are interested, I answer their questions. And uh, but yeah, I, I never push it on anybody because I I feel it's something you have to come to. You know, you have to come to appreciate by yourself, and you have to be willing to get into it and make the effort to read it and to appreciate it. So yeah, I I would you know. Int- you know, give information to anybody that was interested, but I'd never try to push it on anybody. Real, real, quick, right. real, real quick, though, you should watch The Wire, Azil. You need to watch The Wire. <laughs> yeah, I know. I need to watch The Wire and Breaking Bad, and uh, I need to read Vagabond. Vagabond, and, uh, yeah, Vagabond. I never yeah, yeah, Vagabond. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I know you, you never push Vagabond on me, man. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll I'll get around to it someday. I just had to issue that contradictory information, so go ahead. Sorry. You know what was funny is you made me think about this. I don't push Berserk on people either. Like, uh, well, I pushed it on my dad, but like, I generally, it's just too big, and it's like I can't, you know, it's too hard to make them understand the experience from my point of view. Like to almost like explain myself. Like, why are you so deeply obsessed with this? You know, yeah. like for them to just get it. So I like I usually just don't. Right. But I am pushy about other things like movies or TV. It's like, oh, you gotta watch this, and I'll make you know. I've been accused of like forcing, forcing things on, forcing them to watch, almost like I'm kidnapping them. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, yeah, two two of my favorite series happened because people basically forced me to watch it. Breaking Bad and The Wire. My friend said you should watch these. And I was skeptical of it, but ultimately I caved, and I'm I'm grateful that he pushed me on it. But yeah, I usually don't respond very well to that. It's just not me. <laughs> Yeah, it like pushes you away. It makes yeah. you like, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> so sorry, um, Nomad? What about me? <laughs> you were asking me the question? Yeah, yeah. that question is, um, when you have kids, you already have kids, uh, oh. going to pass Berserk to your dog? Well, um, 
if they want to, I mean, that's that's totally completely up to them. I'm not going to force it upon them. Um, it's funny, though, because at least from my experience, when my girls were born, and I'm still looking for them, I'm looking for uh, um, like stuffed animal versions of like Puck or Everella or, uh, you know, like just, you know, but it's, it's for my own personal gain, I guess, you know, I just, oh, look, you know, she's holding a puck or whatever. Um, (laughs) but I, I I wouldn't actually force it upon them. I mean, if they are interested, clearly I would, I much rather them read, you know, Berserk versus look at Hannah Montana or any of that garbage that's out there on the Disney channel these days. But, (laughs) um, but yeah, no, I mean, I guess the answer is no. I mean, if, if they seem interested, then you know, I if they're if they're of age, you know, and a proper age and stuff, then yeah, I will definitely, uh, uh, you know, I'll open the door for them. But that's 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 pretty much it. I mean, I don't. My uh, my answer think, is yes. I'm gonna oh, force yes? it on. I'm gonna force it on my kids. They're gonna, there's not gonna be a choice. Like bedtime stories, I'm gonna have sanitized versions. <laughs> I'm just gonna rip it off and like. Yeah. No. They're gonna Maybe. then when they grow up, they'll read it and they'll be like, "Oh my God, these are the stories you used to tell me." I'm gonna just, <laughs> it's gonna be a whole lifetime for them brainwashing. <laughs> Griffith grew up to become a demon lord. Now he's a hawk. <laughs> um, that being said, like Star Wars, I'm not sure if I've said this on a podcast or not. It's like something that me and my wife are like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make you watch Star Wars, and you're only gonna show the original trilogy. The other trilogy oh, yeah. does not exist." Do you have yeah, the DVD edition of the theatrical release? We only have the special edition. What? Oh hey. man, I might have to. I don't know. I might have to hook you up. I've got like I've got those, and they're actually worth like three hundred dollars now. We might have mentioned this before. I remember whenever the special editions came out, didn't they also release the original theatrical on DVD? Uh, they had one uh, year later. edition. Where they, yeah, they released like whenever they released Star Wars on DVD the first time, yeah, like as a bonus disc in each one, they had the theatrical one and they were releasing it like Lucas was such a bastard about it. Like, you know, oh, it's like a bonus, it's like some disgusting theatrical print for insane people, you know, that like to collect, you know, it's like, you mean, you mean the preferred version that everyone really wants? Actually. (laughs) this this last week, I watched a, a, a documentary. It's on Netflix about this exact subject, and, and a lot of them seem to be the, under the impression. Actually, it's kind of sad. The entire documentary is under the impression that the original prints no longer exist, according to Lucasfilms. So even if they wanted to press new, higher definition versions of the original cuts, they could not. Lucas uh, actually destroyed them on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> he wiped yeah. his ass with it, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, the the world versus George Lucas. Uh, I, I was, it was okay. It was a kind of a sh- honestly, I thought it was pretty shoddily put together for a documentary, uh, but it had some interesting information. Uh, to me, the end all be all Star Wars dissecting is the Phantom Menace nine part video by Red Letter Media. Yeah, absolutely love that thing. Anyway, <laughs> total huge aside there. Sorry. If you have like no, if you have like more time than it would take you to watch the entire Star Wars like series yeah. of films, <laughs> it's it's both hilarious and very informative uh, yeah. analysis of the series and George Lucas. Uh, this is a digression, but did you see his review of uh, Chris- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? No, I didn't. Oh, you should watch oh, it. It's God. actually, it's not just a good destruction of that movie, but it's a good breakdown, very informative, like you said, of like what made Indiana Jones Indiana Jones huh. and why this doesn't work, you know, why this ain't it. Yeah. And so, I yeah, give that a look. For sure. Yeah, I'll check it out. That's it, guys. That's all we got for the show. So we're going to wrap it up a little late today. 
Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back in a couple weeks. Okay, yeah, uh, I don't think anybody actually has time for outtakes today. I have not even eaten lunch yet, and it's 3.33, so I'm fucking starving. Yeah, I think I uh, got all day. I'm, I'm just going to sit here and talk to myself. Nomad, you're down to sit in the car and talk, right? <laughs> fucking A, man. <laughs> are, you like, are you just like sweating in the car now, or is your AC off, and you're like sitting there in a pool of sweat? No, actually, we're like, a, it's like 70 degrees over here, so it's, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I got the windows down, and I'm just chilling. Did you ever get any people, did anybody pass you looking like you're a creep job in your car? Uh, one lady, I, I just, every time I wasn't talking, I turned off the, the microphone and thankfully I did that because uh, there were like uh, one old lady passed by and she's like, what are you doing? And you're like, like very loud. I'm like, fuck, you know, yeah. for a minute there, I thought I, for, I forgot I, I muted the, the microphone and I was like, uh, none of your business. You know, get the fuck yeah. out of here. I, <laughs> you know? I think that would have been amusing if like you had been like attacked. <laughs> On the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you were attacked, I would like it if you were not muted, though. So if you do get attacked, just yeah. unmute the phone. That'd be great. Yeah, but while you're defending yourself, of yeah. course. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it was fun, guys. I, this is uh, definitely an experience. So. <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask you. Was there was some confusion last time. Um, the stuff you're working on. Are you working on two different tracks right now? Like the Skull Knight? I'm working on one Okay, uh, I'll, I'll tell you flat out what I'm working on. I was I working uh, I was redoing the uh, uh, the intro song because I hear it now on the podcast and it sounds like shit to really? me. Like so, uh, well, the, I'm not happy with the quality and I can add stuff to it and blah blah blah. blah. So I'm, I worked I'm, I'm started working on that. Okay. I'm also also working on I was also been working on the on your humming theme song thingy. Um. There was another project that I was doing. I was thinking about an outro song, and this one I actually I was able to record. There was a a classmate from from school that she plays a cello, and it just so happened that I had access to a studio, so I was able to record like a real cello playing and all that stuff and blah blah blah. Wow. I have all the I have uh, you know I have all the stuff. I just haven't put it together. I also wanted to work on more interval stuff because that's the one that you're you're uh, hurting for the most is that you don't have that many um, like cross section stuff. I mean, you have you know, I think you only have like two, three of them, right? So um, that was my priority. I was working on those. Uh, I'm still also working on uh, the Skull Knight theme song that I'm making for Skull Knight.net. I mean, so it's all you know piled up, yeah. and like I said, like my priority was the intervals. And the intro, because the intro, I, I like it. It's just I can do better than that, and I can make it sound better than that. So you know, I kind of I started you know kind of you know putting it you know uh, splitting them all, all apart, doing you know separate channels and blah 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 blah. And uh, but again, the problem is that when I come home, the only times I have I like currently the only times I have is Sunday Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. And and when I sit down and I start doing it. Either one of the girls wake up because this has to be done when the girls go to bed. So right. either one of the girls wake up or my wife has a fucking field day because we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. It's like, fuck, you know, so and I'm kind of, you know, it's going slowly, but surely. But it's, it's still just a very slow, uh, you know, and I much rather do a very good job versus 
just throwing it out there and be like, okay, this is the best I can do with what I have. Here you go. Blam. You know, that's it. Like I want to, I want to make something that represents you guys' work, you know, good. So that's kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm in between like right now, if I wanted to by Monday, I mean, I get, I get home tomorrow. I can give you what I've done so far, but I guarantee you it's not going to be the best quality. It's not going to be the best thing because, you know, it's just, you know, it's going to sound shitty, you know, kind of like the, the humming song that you gave me. You said that you liked it, but it you know, still, you know, needs a lot of work. You know, there's, well, there's yeah, a lot I, mean, of, uh, I recorded it in the car, so. Well, yeah, but I mean, remember that I played uh, the, the like the main melody, and then you were oh, like, "Oh yeah. man, this sounds right, right, yeah. right." So, yeah, I actually teased part of that as a as a part of the podcast one time. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, but do I, do I want to finish this? Hell yeah! I mean, like I'm again, and I, I don't know if you remember me saying this uh, almost at the beginning of the summer that I told you that. You know, there was going to be a point in time in the summer that I wasn't going to have time to do it. And then when I had the time to finish it, that's when I hurt my hand. That's when it all went to fucking shit. And, you know, yeah. so now it's I, I can work on it as much as I can with the time that I have, which is very, very minimum, you know. But, um, you know, if if you want me to give you a time. No, I don't. Give me. I'll say, give me at least you know one more podcast. Give me one more. You know, and in fact, I was even thinking about it. If you wanted me to just give you everything in in one no. sitting, no, I don't. For say, Dude, I'm shaking my head over here. I really do not need to hold your feet to the fire on a deadline for this. This is a personal project. I mean, I want it to be good. Submit it whenever you feel comfortable with it. I mean, it's not something I'm, you know, like counting like counting on for the podcast i'll just keep using interstitial stuff it's totally it's no big deal like i want you to be comfortable with it yeah oh and i forgot there was another project i mean this is going to be a, uh, a surprise i guess but at this point i'm just going to go ahead because it's um i think as knew about it uh gobs after the podcast that we did with him like with him and him and uh, him and i in it um i asked him if he wanted to just for shits and giggles like, send me a track of him rapping and I was actually gonna use uh, forces, you know, and, and make it like a cheesy, you know, rap shit, and you know, for him to fucking, you know, go go nuts. He did the track. It wasn't, it wasn't that great. I guess mm-hmm. it was. Um, as y'all think, he heard it. I mean, it was actually quite long. Um, and I would really want like that. I wanted to be, be like you know, like a surprise. I'll be like, hey, Walter, you know, you know, just here you go and use it if you wanted to, and and you know. But I that's that's the one that I've least touched. Like that's. I have the uh, Gobs audio track, and that's it. I, I haven't st- even started on it. So, okay. you know, um, but, you know, it, it, it will all come. I mean, I'm trying to at least have everything done by the 25th, you know, like a uh, podcast. Like that Like that was, that's how I'm looking at it. I mean, I wanted it to be at least, uh, at least some of the stuff by the 22nd episode. Mm-hmm. But I want you guys to have fresh material good fresh material by the 25th. I mean, technically it's a 25th anniversary of bullshit. You know, however you want to call it. I don't, you know, yeah. so you know, th- that's what I was aiming for. So, okay. I mean, well, take I apologize, your, guys. I, I'm really trying. Take your time, man. Seriously. Um, 25th would be cool. It'd be a cool commemorative episode type of thing. But, uh, yeah, again, I'm not holding your feet to the fire on any deadline. So, um, oh, I know. I just, 
I want to get it over with. I mean, like, I, I want I want you guys to enjoy it too. I mean, I want it to be out now. <laughs> it's you know, you would understand if if you were working on something that you know or you're pretty sure that people are gonna like, and you just want it out. You want people to already you know hear it, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, you know. But I'm still stuck on that point where you know it's not done. Shit, I gotta get this done. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but that's where I am. That's where I am right now. Well, thanks for going the extra mile in uh, going on the phone today to record. I'm glad you were able to join us. But um, I'm going to cut it off now. I mean, you guys can keep talking. I'm just going to go down and gotta grab, grab some, grab some food. I'm fucking starving. So yeah, I'm pretty uh, hungry I'm too. Well, I'm sure you're late as well for dinner, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Go, All go right, for here's it. We're going. We'll, <laughs> later, we'll, guys. We'll call it a wrap. Uh, Thank. Talk to you later, guys. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> See ya.